0: What I've also learned as I aged is that's your opinion. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to process it and think about it. And then I'm going to decide if there's anything I want to adjust on my side. Because before I used to accept it and immediately implement. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I'm not the Alicia you want me to be. I'm going to be the Alicia that I want to be. And you can accept me or not. That's your choice as a human. Mm -hmm. You don't get to decide who I am.
1: Thank you so much for coming all the way to North Carolina for this. I'm so excited, especially after our dinner last night. I'm like, we are just going to have so much fun today.
0: Oh, no, I'm excited. It's my pleasure. And it's so beautiful. When I was coming over, I was like. Could there be any more gorgeous azaleas? <laughs> so
1: it's the perfect gorgeous. time of year. We actually have this thing called Azalea Fest, and it's the first week of April, oh. and we have an azalea queen, and she goes on this float downtown, oh. and there's this giant garden party that everyone does.
0: It's beautiful. Girl, now I'm just going to come be your house guest for like the next two weeks. you You're like, no. It. Everyone
1: wears these <laughs> like, giant floral dresses oh. and the hats and the gloves. It's a whole thing. Okay, I'm going to have to Google that, because yeah. I've
0: never heard of it, but I, I just... I mean, they're, I've seen azaleas. We have them in Texas, but not like this. I'm like, it's sheets and sheets of them everywhere. Oh, yeah. You should take the long way out of the
1: neighborhood later, okay. and you'll just see all of the flowers. They're it's beautiful. my favorite
0: time of year. So
1: thank you for inviting me. I'm like, my pleasure. <laughs> no, of course. So we were talking, and we're like, hold it for the podcast. <laughs> we're going to probably jump around. And I always joke that I have these notes, and we ended up having like a three-hour dinner. <laughs> so notes yeah. are not needed. Not necessary. No, when you connect, when you're actually trying to connect. Yeah. I guess we're going to start with Parenting. That's the top of my mind yeah, right now. And it. I think that you have a cool perspective because you have a boy and a girl. I just have two boys, so I'm a boy mom. But I was once a young girl that made many mistakes, just like probably everybody else. So my perspective is just based off of my own, you know, upbringing. Like I don't have actual daughters to kind of frame it around. But there's this idea that. It's maintaining agency and autonomy and like encouraging that independence in your kid, which I think is beautiful, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. hopefully what every healthy parent wants for their kid is for them to be able to fly out of the nest and not need your help. But there is like a mature a process of maturing that requires it's like you almost unlock different levels right as you age and now i can i can deal with bigger problems and i can understand like the gravity of certain situations maybe it's an outfit that i choose to wear or a decision if i decide to go drinking like maybe i'm 16 and put myself in certain situations so at what point would your daughter be able to come to you and like let's say it's something over uh social media and mm-hmm. let's say you're very against her signing up before a certain age and maybe we'll take it back we'll say she's 13 so she's 13 and wants an instagram you're like honey i just don't think it's a good idea and you can maybe provide her with data whatever your perspective is and she comes to you and she's like mom i know it's best for me Mm -hmm. i know it's best for me because i'm me Mm -hmm. and i have a perspective that you don't have because it's my own my own agency essentially and cool of course to like some point but 13 seems awfully young to me. Like I made some really big mistakes at 13. So how do you encourage independence, but also maintain the responsibility of being the mom and and you do know better in some situations? Like you just have experienced
0: more life than her. And that just is. Mm. That's such an interesting dynamic that you're bringing up. And I mean, love me or hate me. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you what I think. Right. So this is spur of the moment. It's not like we're just shooting the shit here, basically. But the way that I feel is whenever I approach these tough conversations with my kids, I try to go in with curiosity and open-mindedness, not I know better Mm. because I have life experience because all of my life experience is based off of my life with my inputs. And things have changed so much even in the last two years with technology. Mm. I can't even, and I have a post about this, I can't even really understand the world my children are growing up in. We just didn't have, I mean, we went to the library. I remember asking my mom, probably 90% of my questions never got answered as a child because you couldn't get an answer. My mom would be like, we'll go to the library. And I'm like, and search where? (laughs) I'm asking you a question. If you don't know the answer, just tell me you don't know it. Now, I mean, everything's at your fingertips. You just Google and Mm -hmm. you get an answer. And so I think as a parent, it's really important that you have set you know, guidelines for your children, but be flexible. You know your child. You know if they can be trusted. You know uh, the values that you've given them and passed on. So for instance, with my children, I don't have a problem with them having Instagram. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be on it all day, every day. Mm -hmm. and But we have a very open relationship. So if they see something that they're like, they'll bring it to me and be like, what do you think about this, mom? Or let's Mm -hmm. talk about this. I also feel like a lot of times by creating secrecy and, oh, that's not good, or I don't want them to know about this, or we don't talk about this. It creates intrigue in them. And then you're either going to, you're going to be the one to tell them, or they're going to find it out from someone else. And my uh, ex-father-in-law told me that, and it was the best piece of advice I think I've ever received. You're either going to be the first or the last with your kid. And the first one is the one that makes the biggest impression. So you better take those, those chances to impart the way that you view things. It doesn't mean that they're going to view it the same, but you have that chance as the parent. So mm-hmm. I try to never steer away from uncomfortable conversations. I try to just remember it's just life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. Kind of.
1: I guess to dig a little bit deeper with that. So, yes, our, us growing up was wildly different, different than yeah. them growing up. But couldn't you say that in our age... That we understand other people's intentions a little bit better. So there's almost this naivete when you're younger and you think people, you automatically assume the best. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the very valuable things that you get with age and time is you get a more honest perspective of reality yes so if you have social media for example it's something that seems like a harmless tool right especially Mm -hmm. if i'm in charge and like you trust me to not go on it all day and to Mm -hmm. go on the right accounts sure but do you trust the other people on the other side because we know it's rampant with predators like this is just one example right yes yes of like a of a young person thinking something is harmless and i know what's best for me because all of my peers are doing it and then mm-hmm. you, if you're not letting me do it then I'm being left out all of these things but there there's a lot of nuanced nuance problem solving that we have to do so i guess it's in that situation like couldn't you argue that you do know better like if she's like i know better than this or if she's trying to maybe wear something a little bit more mature cuz we all did yeah, that right yeah. like we were trying to experiment what is what is right yeah, what is good yeah, yeah and like being a woman and how do i want to present myself mm-hmm. and there's nothing inherently wrong with like a crop top and short shorts or You know what I mean? Not at all. But you have to understand the gravity of making that decision, like putting on that outfit, putting on makeup, putting on heels that does say something to the observer, right? And you just have to understand that not everyone's intentions are pure. Mm -hmm. So like consciously consent to the things that you're doing. And at certain ages, it's just not possible unless you have input from like an older, wiser woman or man.
0: Yes. I I mean, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's not that you want them to do what you want because you said and because you know better. Mm -hmm. It takes more time to parent in the way that you're talking about. Because for me, conscious parenting is, do I have more history in the area? Of course. Mm -hmm. So if I haven't gained knowledge from that, well, that's sad (laughs) because I want to be able to pass that on. But it's being able to share that knowledge and Allow them to get to the point where you are without forcing it down their throat. Mm -hmm. So my question in regards to like the crop top and the outfit, or Instagram and predators, would be to try to educate as much as possible on the front end. So for Instagram, it would be we we just have rules about talking to people we don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's like if it's your friends, then that's fine, Mm -hmm. and if it's somebody else, please do not. And if somebody Mm -hmm. else reaches out to you, let me know so that I can check it out. Mm -hmm. So we have rules. But I'm going to trust that they are going to understand those rules after we've talked about it and why mm-hmm. and then follow them. And so breaking trust, we have that conversation, too, that like if you break trust, then there are repercussions for that. Because if you do that, then I can't trust you to have this and we'll have to remove it. Mm-hmm. So I think setting the outline and the expectation allows them to have the thing that they want and be like, cool, my mom's on my side. And then it puts the responsibility in their court. Of, hey, we have set guidelines and we agreed on these things and you understand why. So just mm-hmm. make sure you follow them. And then, of course, as a parent, it's your job to check in, right? right. Mm-hmm. So you can't expect them to do that. You have to do that. And then on clothes and stuff like that, I think it's really important to teach people about teach your children <laughs> about how they're portraying themselves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the crop top and shorts might be cute for certain events, but mm-hmm. maybe not for other events. Mm-hmm. So it's important to teach those things. And I think a lot of times in our fast-paced society it's just like forget taking the time to teach just force no that's not appropriate but why is it not appropriate Mm -hmm. you know take the time to talk with them they're Mm -hmm. humans no that's
1: a really good perspective because it's it's based in reality it's not trying to shelter them from the world or potential consequences and then they have the tools to adapt if they need be so it's not like they're left out there without any experience in the situation
0: yeah and these are all yeah. little things. It's like we have the chance to teach them these, uh, these tools and these thought patterns with little things. And if we don't do it now, the things just get bigger and bigger as they age and then they don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. But if you show them, oh, this is how I reasoned this, this is why, and you take the time to explain, you're teaching them the thought pattern. And then Mm -hmm. they can apply it in other areas. Mm -hmm. So you're giving so much more than a a lecture about what you're wearing today, right?
1: So where is the fine line between that guidance and kind of like that shepherding, which I think is beautiful. And that's the way that I try to parent as well is is a guide. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not here to dictate anything to you, but I want to present you with all of the information that I have. And then hopefully you make the decisions that are best for you and best yeah. for the family, etc. But what is the line between shepherding, encouraging that independence, and then just like passive parenting, and maybe in like just a, let them
0: do anything, right? In
1: like a self-sabotaging way, like maybe you think you're doing it in order to encourage that freedom, but really, like you're just checked out as a parent, and like you don't want them not to like you. So it's okay. Well, you must know
0: best at 13. Like you don't. You're 13. Yes. There's a lot of
1: life and a lot of yeah. lessons that are coming your way, but they're not there yet.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that, and I think a good way to check in for. A adults, which which one am I doing mm-hmm. is, am I actually taking the time to go through the thought process? So if you're sitting there and taking the time to talk with them and hear their feedback, hearing their feedback doesn't mean you change the rule. Mm-hmm. It just allows them to understand that my parent has created a safe place for me to voice these things. And what I try to teach them is, or with my kids a lot of times is, hey, this is how I see it. And then I let them bring how they see it. And I'm like, I know we can find a common ground. Mm-hmm. Let's work on that together. Mm-hmm. And that also teaches them problem solving skills. It's like, they're going to have all of these scenarios come up and the scenarios just get bigger and bigger as they go into the workforce, they go to school, you know, college, et cetera. So it's like, if you're taking the time to listen, then you know you're not, and from my point of view, you know you're not doing what, I forget what you called it, but basically lazy parenting, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I just want them to like me. My kids are going to like me. And even if it's not right now, mm-hmm. eventually at some point, you know, when they're older. So I always think long game. I'm like, this is a long game. Mm-hmm. So even if right now it's a little bit uncomfortable or they don't love it, I'm looking for the long term result.
1: hmm. Yeah. So when it comes up to bringing up things first, mm-hmm. how have you navigated like i guess timing and age appropriateness of bringing up like really big issues to make sure because i think i agree 100 percent it is so important that you are the first person to talk to your kid about all of those big mm-hmm. topics no matter how especially if they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's either going to be you or it's going to be like that you know sixth grade kid that comes onto the playground and has his iphone which yeah, they're do you, doing it too. which one
0: do you want it to be yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's to me the funny part is is It's the parents that are uncomfortable. It's not the kids. I'm like, the kids don't know to be uncomfortable, right? So a lot of times what I saw is people don't want to talk about sex with their kids because they're uncomfortable. I'm like, are you serious? Get over yourself. I started having the sex talk with them, I think at like four. So there's books about it. And it's like, of course, it's very scientific then, you know, very like, oh, this is how this works. And you just kind of keep retouching it year Mm -hmm. after year, gently adding more. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, their curiosity kicks in. And I think for me, where I felt like, damn, I did it right was uh, two summers ago. We were in. So my son's almost 15. So he would have been almost 13. We were in Hawaii. And um He, we were sitting out on the lanai and it was a beautiful evening and he just came and sat on the edge of my chair and was like, mom, uh, how did he say it? It's like, yeah, the boys at school are looking at porn. And he just went straight into it. Like super cool, super chill. I was like, oh really? What do you think about that? He was like, well, it's kind of weird and just went into it. And I was like, you know what? He feels so comfortable just to bring up porn and sex and all of these things. I would so much rather him tell me than not. Did I love it? No. Mm-hmm. But am I realistic? Yeah. <laughs> I mean They're 13 year old boys. What do you think they're doing? Mm-hmm. So you can put your head in the sand and pretend that your kids aren't or you can be a realist. Just mm-hmm. like I would rather be real.
1: Yeah. So how do you how do you handle that? Like how do you, I guess, encourage him to think about it independently? He obviously has probably pressure from his peers if everyone is doing yeah. it and you have your own values within your home. Like how do you Like, that's a really tricky situation to navigate.
0: Well, I I really just listened to him. I was like, I was like, so how did that? I always ask about feelings. I'm like, Mm -hmm. so how did, what did you think Mm -hmm. first? Because especially with boys, they're so thought driven. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to engage that part first because they're comfortable with that usually. Mm -hmm. And then feelings sometimes are a little bit harder. So warm up with what did you think? And he was like, well, you know, I think they just do it. One of them got caught and got in big trouble, you know, whatever. And then how does it make you feel? And what he said was like, it doesn't really make me feel good. And I was like, really? Why do you think that is? He was just like, I don't know. It's just gross and kind of weird. And I'm like, oh, and then just dig, dig deeper. Be curious. Mm -hmm. He figured it out on his own. I didn't have to tell him don't do that. That's awesome. He said it made him feel weird. And so it's like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well, if you want to talk about it more, let me know. I don't feel the need to don't do that again. whatever I'm sure he will do it again Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) because then he won't
1: come to you in the
0: future and really when you break it down it's like okay I can jump on his ass and criticize him and his friends and make him nervous to talk to me again and tell me he won't do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) or I can just be a realist and let him tell me how it makes him feel because then it made him uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so I was like okay
1: hey everyone this is new so we are taking a quick break for a couple of sponsors how exciting is that that we have a couple sponsors for the podcast so this is new please don't skip it just listen it's cool stuff I promise so my first one is a small company called Ragnar's Rocks and I'll make sure I have the link below as you know I love crystals and I get made fun of for it all of the time but I'm, I'm not gonna change my ways and I'm gonna stand by it. I truly believe in them and I think that they're beautiful, so sue me, but he sent me, I mean, how incredible is that? He sent me this beautiful amethyst. I've got this really cute rose quartz skull. All of this is on my table. You can't see, but when I start doing two cameras, you'll be able to see my little setup. And this cute little crystal Buddha, how adorable is he? Um, I, these bracelets are from there. I mean, I was really stoked to have him as a sponsor because this is right up my alley. So if you're into any crystals or you just want to check out the website, it's RagnarsRocks.com. And um, I'll link that below. And the last affiliate, last sponsor, please don't skip. This one's a good one. So we all know the benefits of fasting. Well, my husband and I have used this company Prolon actually a couple of times, so I was really excited that they wanted to be an affiliate of the podcast. So if you want to try Prolon, it's a fasting mimicking diet, so you get all the benefits of a water fast, and it's a lot easier because you get this delicious food instead of having to completely eat nothing. So you can try Prolon for $150 with the code CANDICE. Some of the claims for, and I mean, I say claims, but I'm going off of a script, guys. 60% of people that completed the fast had better energy, mental clarity, and focus. You'll definitely shed some LBs. I felt a ton lighter after doing it. It's cool to do difficult stuff and obviously fasting is not easy. So it's kind of cool to see how you can kind of push it and get through something that you thought you might not be able to do. It's a lot easier than just doing a water cleanse. Um, And again, like I think the average here, yeah, people lose an average of 5.7 pounds and 1.6 inches off of their waistline. So as soon as I'm done breastfeeding, I'm doing one of these and Eric's supposed to be starting anytime now. So we'll see when he decides to start. So I'll link that below. Again, if you want to try ProLon, you can try it for 150 bucks. Use code Candice and let's return to the episode. So did you get into the conversation of like, This is adult entertainment. This is not like an accurate, necessarily healthy representation of what that's supposed to look like, Mm -hmm. because that's one of the biggest critiques about pornography and just the availability. Like I'm a huge advocate for paywalls because of situations like that. There Mm -hmm. needs to be some way to verify that it's not a you know minor Child. on the other end yeah. but we're not there yet and then if you don't you have so many parents that avoid the topic because of that discomfort within themselves or insecurity or shame so then their kid is left thinking oh well the, this, this is what is it's like mm-hmm. right and i think it's interesting because you have the boy and the girl that the consequences that that can kind of go into for both of them is very different right it mm-hmm. lead the boy to um mistreating a woman or like Not wanting to ever be romantic with somebody because he's so uncomfortable with it and he doesn't understand like that's not normal Mm -hmm. or a girl to either allow it or the same thing kind of like not be able to experience real intimacy because like she wasn't taught what the healthy version of that is.
0: Mm -hmm. I think. He was young. Yeah. And so we've touched on it since then, too. Yeah. I think then what was important for me to discuss with him, it turned into then a sex conversation, right? Yeah. So it went from porn to sex, right? And I was like, so, you know, I wanted to find out what was going on at school. Are other people having sex? What's going on? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just letting him share. And he was like, oh, God, mom, no, nobody's doing that. And I was like, hey, you know, it's, I mean, y'all are getting there in age. And he was like, no, nobody's going to be having sex till they're like 18. I was like, I don't think so. I think the average boy loses his virginity at 16. And he was like, oh, I'm like, Google it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to search it up. And it, it is. It's 16 and 17 wow, yeah. for girls. Mm-hmm. He was like, how'd you know? I'm like, I don't know. It a guess. He <laughs> used to be young but one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just told him, for me, it was more important for me at that point to remind him that sex is an amazing thing. And it's it's a beautiful thing as long as both people are wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. And it can, you know, it can be a beautiful thing, but it can also not be. And so there my, my drive or my desire was to keep the lines of communication open. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell you you can't have sex till you're married. That's what my family did. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to go to hell if you do. So I got married at 18. What a bad decision. <laughs> like <laughs> If I would have had sex with him, I wouldn't have married him. <laughs> so that's not my goal for them. My goal is that they treat themselves respectfully and others respectfully so i was like you know my my biggest dream would be that before you have sex with someone you talk to mom because there's a lot of repercussions to sex that you don't think about Mm -hmm. you know there's stds children etc that can come from it and of course they're like rolling their eyes but I, i think that when that time comes they'll feel comfortable Yeah, so we just kind of keep broaching the subject a little bit here, a little bit there. And when I see that they're like, okay, then I let them, I feel like their kids are like bees, like they're just buzzing on this topic (laughs) and then buzzing on another and you don't want to hammer it too much. Mm
1: -hmm. No, that's beautiful. You're very fortunate. Because I think that sounds like the ideal situation. Um, Where was I going to go with that? I had a good question.
0: I mean, dude, they're, they're not grown selfish. yet, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I think this is working. <laughs>
1: no. So, okay. This is where I was going to go. So I think that you're – like you sharing that is so beautiful and useful for a lot of people. You're, you just said – you know, your family said if you have sex out, out of wedlock, you're going to go to hell and this is a terrible thing. So that led to you getting married at a very, very, very yeah. young age and you're like, well, if I had sex with him before, I wouldn't have married him. Of course, oh, no of course, how important that is. But we're almost like, I, and I'm sure you've seen this content just rising and thriving, or maybe it's my algorithm of this very evangelical trad lifestyle that's kind of coming, like resurfacing. And it's almost this puritanical c- culture of that like you have to you have to get married first body count is this huge deal sorry my eyes almost got stuck in the back of my head (laughs) you cannot sleep with a man or he will not respect you anymore unless there's a ring on the finger and all of this thing and i'm like i had a very similar framework growing up where sex was this thing that i could give away and not the man right like he's somehow protected and exempt from all this but it's just for women so there's this thing that virginity your purity that you give away and once it's gone it's gone forever there goes your value so it better be to the one and only man that at some young age you decide is there but when you look at it and you have that so much weight and shame and pressure on it you end up with the wrong person because you're like i just gave this thing away and shit it was the wrong guy but I can't get it back so mm-hmm. now what do I do and then fast forward eight years later I'm like reclaiming my sexuality and my worth and my value and saying that didn't mean anything mm-hmm. you know like not anything because I do think that sex can be what you want it to be like if you want it to be like this very spiritual intimate connective thing it can and if you want it to be junk food it can right mm-hmm. it's, it's how you engage with it but having all of that pressure and like Other people's shame on me left me stuck for such a long time. And I want younger women to know this. It's like you can make sex whatever, you you know, you want it to be. Like, don't let someone put that pressure on you because it is a very easy way to end up with the wrong person.
0: Yeah. And I I think the most important thing is it's what do you feel and believe, Mm -hmm. you know? Of course your virginity is important. Of course it's important who you decide to share that with. But... I mean, hate me or love me. I think that people make it such a big deal, and I think in doing that, they create these scenarios where, like you said, or like me, you marry the wrong person because you feel pressured. You stay in the relationship because, well, you gave him gave him what? What? <laughs> Am I not whole now? You're because hymen? I'm not. <laughs> right? I didn't know I had it to give away. Well, I think I gave that to a tampon. (laughs) Uh, It's like what do those even hang around anymore? (laughs) Like, so no, what did I give? Are you saying that once I have sex, I'm no longer worth what I was before? Cut me a break. Your self-worth is not based on that. No, I'm not saying I mean, go out and have sex with every person you, you meet. Unless that's, if that's what you want to do, you can also do that. But my big thing is, is there respect between the two of you? Do you both go in knowing And do you both go in understanding what you're expecting from the experience? Mm -hmm. Because it's just an experience. It's like you and I are having an experience right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we both expected to come and do this and to bring our A game and to have fun. Mm -hmm. And so then it's a healthy experience. And I think sex is very similar. Like, what are our expectations from this? And have we are we both able to consent and are we both headed in the same direction, whether it's just that we wanted to be together and enjoy this moment or we want to pursue something, you know, greater. I think the problem happens when we don't communicate, you know, and one of the parties is using it as a way to get something. They might not want to tell you, but like, okay, if I sleep with him, then I get this Mm. or vice versa. It's like that's where the problem comes in. It's communication. It's not the actual act. Mm hmm.
1: So what's your opinion on the men that do seem to lose their respect, Is in my opinion, it wasn't there in the first place, but lose respect for someone once they sleep with
0: them? I don't know if they actually, I don't know if they, I mean, God, I'm not a man, but I don't know if they actually lose respect or in with younger men, it really is built into their DNA, the chase. It's just a chase. It's a game like any other game. They're Mm -hmm. playing a game. And unfortunately, (laughs) for some women, they get to be a count in that game. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying. If you have that conversation with the person where you guys are on the same page, this is much harder younger, (laughs) you know, when you're young and you're figuring it out. But I really and then also if they did lose respect, like you said, or it was just a number, then good riddance. move on. Mm (laughs) It doesn't make any difference to me because my decision was for myself, mm-hmm. and I can't control you. Mm-hmm. So
1: no, I mean I agree a hundred percent. Like I said, I don't think it was there in the first place. Yeah. If that's if you you know are in this vulnerable space with a man, and then all of a sudden he starts treating you like shit, like you you get, just dodge the of bullet, right? Yeah. Like move on. It's <gasps> yeah. not about you. That's about him. How has the feedback been as a woman that speaks a lot about masculine and feminine? almost like archetypes and relationships and parenting because I know for me anytime I talk about masculinity especially it's like there's two polarities that pop up like one is like thank you so much for offering a perspective like a feminine perspective and the other one's like you're not a man you shouldn't be talking about this
0: (laughs) girl it's so funny to me it's like depending on what clip it is you have a ton of people who love you and a ton of people who hate you and I'm like yeah you love me now wait till the next clip (laughs) so I think that I don't put much weight in it. Mm-hmm. It's like you know what I think. If all of us could just be honest and really connect and share, mm-hmm. bringing our thoughts out into the open is what creates change. And it takes polarity to figure out like uh, polarity in like volleyball and conversation. We're not, for instance, you and I are not sitting here saying that we're right. Like, let me teach you something. All we're doing is sharing perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty in that is that when we talk with each other. Maybe we can both grow. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some people attack and they don't like it and this and that, but really don't pay much attention to them. Like I'm just sharing because this is what I feel called to do. Mm-hmm. So love it or hate it. Delete me or follow me. I don't doesn't make me any difference because I think the people that want to hear it and need to hear it. God or the universe is going to make sure that happens. Mm-hmm. I don't have to.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of discounting the fact that you can recognize just like what a good, valuable person looks like. Yeah. Like, what does. Of What is a kind person look like? What is a person like a, a high value person look like? Like, obviously, there's going to be gender differences, but like I can establish someone who is mistreating people at scale versus not even if it's just for clicks. Like, I still mm-hmm. don't agree with that. So I think everyone is allowed a perspective. And it would be the, the same as me saying I don't want a man's perspective on what it is to be a woman like the, that would include my husband. So I would need to know like his opinion is extremely valuable to me valuable.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's like, why wouldn't we want perspective? Why, why can't we just be open to hearing? I think it's a huge thing that we need to be talking about. Like, just because someone shares their opinion doesn't make it the end all be all. Mm-hmm. And just because our opinions don't align doesn't mean we can't be friends. It right. doesn't mean you're more valuable or you're stupid or I'm dumb or none of that. It's just an opinion. And it might change. And I think we hit on this yesterday. Like, I am 100% okay being a hypocrite. If I am not a hypocrite, then something's wrong with me because I'm constantly growing and changing and evolving. And so the things that I thought were the staples of life 10 years ago are very different now. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, can we just all step back and give each other room to grow?
1: Yeah. We need to normalize changing your mind because right now it's looked like you're a flip flopper, you're inauthentic (laughs) or you're lying or you're a hypocrite, all of these things. Like, no, I've been presented with more time and information. And with that time and information, I've changed my perspective. I'm allowed to do it. It's actually highly encouraged. You should try it
0: sometime. Try that sometime. (laughs) See where you get with people. It just, it makes life there's so much between black and white. Do you want to experience or not? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something I had to learn because as a young adult, I was very black and white. And I think it came from my upbringing. It's either right or it's wrong. And now I'm like, is there a right or wrong? (laughs) I don't really know because I'm not going to judge you. What's right for you might not be what's right for me because of the 30 plus years of experience that I've gone through. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I try to remember when people act in ways that I don't understand that, like, hey, you don't have their inputs. You have no idea what's going on. And you really only know the surface, you know, so you're making judgments off of a lack of information. Mm
1: -hmm. So when it comes to, because you and your husband have multiple businesses together, Mm -hmm. how do you, because my husband and I do as well, so this is also like a selfish question. How do you maintain that boundary between working relationship and partnership and romantic partnership? Oh.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe I can selfishly ask you the same thing. It's definitely been an interesting dilemma <laughs> to figure out. So, I think that a lot of times in business, or at least in the businesses that we've had, it's very masculine. My role is very masculine. And what I realized a couple years ago is that if I couldn't learn to harmonize between my masculine and my feminine, I was going to ruin our marriage. Because my husband didn't want to be married to a man, or he would be. You're right. It's <laughs> like if he wants to be gay, he will be gay. <laughs> but he doesn't want to be. So if I can't learn to, you know, kind of harmonize between those two and flip that side of me off when I get home, then it's it created problems for us. And so I think I've gotten really good at the flip. Um, I think sometimes it's hard for a little bit harder for him to flip with me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I mean, it's an ebb and flow and giving each other grace and being okay that we're not going to be perfect, but also honesty. Like, hey, I'm done with that. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was doing it again. Like, um, and Charles is very good at calling me out. <laughs> so he has no problem being like that. Uh, it's not working for me. <laughs> okay, I forgot, you know. So I think it's just being willing to evolve and change and learn and then adjust to the person you love.
1: How did you get to a place where you could take constructive feedback like that and not take it personal or have that turn into a fight?
0: Yeah, that, honestly, to tell you the truth, my mom was so harsh that it just, I mean, I I think that that created a lot of desires of perfectionism in me. So feedback was always taken and applied. I never had an issue with that. What I have more of an issue with is my self-worth being or my ability to be loved being based on what I produce. So Accepting criticism and adjusting has never been an issue for me. Uh, I think that a lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, this girl just, it doesn't bother her. But the part that I struggle with is remembering that I don't have to be perfect to be loved. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take that criticism and you can choose to apply it. Or... What I've also learned as I aged is that's your opinion. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to process it and think about it. And then I'm going to decide if there's anything I want to adjust on my side. Because before I used to accept it and immediately implement.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: like, no, I'm not the Alicia you want me to be. I'm going to be the Alicia that I want to be. And you can accept me or not. That's your choice as a human. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't get to decide who I am.
1: Have you heard this new... Uh, I guess it's not really new because I think the subject matter has probably been around forever, like for millennia. But it's kind of being rebranded and becoming sensationalized, which is the submissive wife or Mm. like those king queen archetypes that a lot of counseling will use and like leader and follower. What is your opinion on those dichotomies?
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I really think that some of them, they're just in our DNA. And I think we've tried to fight it, you know, we're equal, we're this, we're that. And I'm like, we're not even in the same book. (laughs) So how how can you say that, you know, Nancy Drew book is equal to Martha Stewart's book? And it's like (laughs) these, you know, they can both be great books, but they're so different. And so for me, it's really realizing that we each create the relationships we want. And we can choose how we want to behave in them. And it's really important to understand what your spouse is looking for. because some men want a wife who is more masculine, want a woman who goes out and does that role or plays those roles. And then he wants to be more, you know, in his feminine or whatever it is. And then my husband does not. And so it's like, you need to be very cognizant of who you're hooking up with or marrying, aligning yourself with. Because if you're not cognizant of those, it's it can come back to bite you. Because we can't just assume that because you're a man, this is the role you want to play. And you're a woman, this is the role you want to play. It's not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what it is, is being very curious and open to hearing what the other person wants and realizing that that could change over time.
1: That's an interesting point. I'm so, I just, I love you so much. I love I'm, you too. I do. I mean, you approach things with so so much nuance. Mm-hmm. And I think when you see a lot of these cultural personas and influencers, I can always predict what they're going to say all of the time. And they do try to automatically put you in one of those box. Like if you were a man, like you have to be the like in your masculine leader, yeah. protector. And sure, that's probably most men I would imagine. But there absolutely are men that want to be in the feminine. Like they want to be the stay at home dad. Yeah. And the woman is like this very ambitious, more in her masculine. And she wants to go conquer, climb and um And just get promoted up up that scale, and that's fine if you find that balance between between your partner and and yourself.
0: And who are we to judge? Mm -hmm. I'm like, who am I to say your relationship is right or wrong? I'm not living it, Mm -hmm. and and if it works for you guys, right, then it works for you guys. And I think the biggest thing here that I find intriguing when I see people judging is, oh yeah, well that'll work for them for five years, and then watch what happens. And I'm like, and so what if it does? Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe that we can say how long a relationship is supposed to be there for. I believe that we meet for a time when it's right. And this meeting is going to continue as long as it's supposed to. So I am very much like, do I wish that Charles and I will stay married forever? Of course, I love him. He's been such an amazing impact um, and friend in my life, right? But will I sit here and tell you, oh, we're soulmates and we're going to be together for fuck now. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's like, I think that we have to learn to give each other the space to grow. And then also understand that just because someone comes in and out of your life doesn't mean that you failed, or that it's a failure. I I think that's such a harsh way to look at things.
1: Yes. And we do that to ourselves. We are our own worst critic. We're yeah. constantly trying to prove to ourselves why we're unworthy, and to everyone else
0: unlovable, yeah. right? Like,
1: let me find. I have the evidence. Let me yeah. let me show you. I'm worthy, you. and it's like,
0: yeah. dude, I don't have to prove it to you. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just need to feel worthy to myself. And my worthiness does not come from outside inputs. My worthiness comes from me being a human, mm-hmm. and every single one of us is. Therefore, we all deserve it. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so how do you? calibrate through like how do you how do you do your touch-ins with your relationship because like you just said you can grow in different directions like maybe something works the check-ins yeah i
0: i heard this quote And I loved it. And it basically said that every seven years, and you know, everybody talks about the seven year itch, but so we'll just stick with the seven years. Every seven years, you have the opportunity to have a new relationship. And that relationship is either going to be with the same person, but it will still be new, or it will be with a new person, right? So we have that choice. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what are you going to choose to do? And I think it's it's pretty dead on. I'm like, every seven years, I do feel like a new person. I've grown so much. So I have the opportunity to check in with my spouse and say, hey, are you still enjoying this? What are the areas that are working for you? What areas are not working for you? And can we still grow together? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something you just have to take it as it goes. And and like you said, check in. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think giving... Space and grace is so important. Yes. It's just like if you can't give the other person the space to be who they truly are, because you have to control well, we have to be married or we have to be this way or that way, then it's like, do you really love them? Or do you love the idea of being married or the mm-hmm. idea of their relationship? Because you aren't really showing love if you can't support them in their changes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, I feel like you can't you can't be in the seat of control. And almost like this ownership and also experience love. Like those Mm -hmm. are not the same things. And we talked about this a little bit last night at dinner, which to me, and I've had the blessing of like my career to really make me sit with what I think and find to know what love and unconditional love is. And I I never knew it existed. I thought love was always conditional. It always had conditions. You have to be a good boy. I have to be a good girl. You know, like there's all of these like self-imposed often, right, rules of whether or not I was worthy or you were worthy of that love. And what I realized is you get to reframe that if you want. Like you can take that programming out and make it whatever you want. And it's once you break down enough, you can realize that with the right person, like there's nothing that you can do that will make me stop loving you. It's not to say I'll excuse behavior or that we'll be together forever because you are allowed to establish those boundaries, but you can be divorced and still
0: have love for somebody. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And I couldn't agree more. It's like, that's ultimate love, Mm -hmm. ultimate love. And I explain it this way with my husband that when I This is the only way that I can explain it. When I met him, he was a beautiful bird flying and I was admiring, wow, how graceful and this and that about him. Then you want to take that bird and put it in a cage and you think you're going to admire and love it the same. No, you're not. So let him be free. And of course, we talk about our boundaries and our desires, et cetera. And of course, respect is, it's so important and honesty and truth. But we have the opportunity to build our relationship in any form we want. And I think that's what people forget. It's like, it doesn't matter what Sally and Brenda and John think about their relationship. That's not my business. My relationship is my business. Mm -hmm. And so I can create it in whatever form I want. And like you said, I... I know deep in my heart that no matter what happens with Charles and I, even if he was to break our commitments, I will always love him. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean I will always be with him, mm-hmm. of course, because we have to uh, keep respecting our own personal boundaries. Boundaries are for yourself, not for others. Mm-hmm. they are the guidelines that tell you this is what I am willing to live with and accept. And when people cross those, it's not about teaching them a lesson. It's about respecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I have boundaries and Charles and I have commitments, but um, I just know that what he has given me and the love and support that he has shown me, I will forever be grateful for. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to leave that openness and that space for each other.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. very much agree. Have you ever read the book Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill?
0: No, but it's probably good. Oh my gosh.
1: I get the audiobook. Okay. It's the best way to do it because the reader it's basically an interview with the devil and the Ooh. um premise to it is that Napoleon Hill had done a bunch of psychedelics okay. and actually accessed get out this energy okay, I'm gonna do and it. was speaking with him. Like, this is like the wives' tale of it, Uh so who knows, right? Um, so he's interviewing the devil, and for some reason, the devil has to answer everything with total honesty, like, he has this hold on him. So, he Mm. is just asking all of the questions that you would probably ask if you were sitting down with, you know, the devil himself. It's a fascinating book, and what's interesting, it was he wrote it and in the conversation, like the devil is like, you won't write this because you will or publish this because you'll get ostracized from society. It took over 70 years for it to get published because he died. The wife didn't want to read, like publish it because she's like, we will be, my name will be ruined. His name will be ruined. So like it kind of came to fruition. So it came out way, way later. Um, And one part of the conversation that he has with them, because he gets into religion and a lot of like the social norms of the time and it's crazy how much it holds up like mm-hmm. almost 80 years later, but he gets into divorce and mm-hmm. the idea that the church instilled, which is divorce is wrong. Like you can't do it right up until Henry, the whatever, like established his own church, yeah. like couldn't do it. And he says that we have this idea of duty and that you owe something to other people. And he's like the only person that you owe anything to is yourself. So if you're in a situation where your soul is being depleted or you're miserable, you do not owe that marriage you to stay in it at the expense of your well-being. He said, the only exception is when you're raising children. Mm. So that is the only time that you have a duty to someone other than yourself. You don't have it to your boss, your lover, anyone else. It is yourself. I and then when that. you are raising children. yeah. And I thought that was so fascinating and nuanced, especially for the time that it was written. And I just want so many people to read that book because there are so many aha moments that you have. And it really makes you think, Programming that we've been told.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's phenomenal. You also said something yesterday when we were at dinner, and I was like, holy cow, I've never heard it put that way before. Oh, we were going to try to
1: find the video. Okay, so we were talking about hormone cycles between men and women and mm-hmm. the differences between it and how often we are c- like categorized as unstable mm-hmm. um, or a pain or difficult to navigate because our cycles and we, we do have hormones and they do change how we present, think, feel, act, all of the things. And you can look at it from judgment and blame and inconvenience, or there was this spiritual teacher, like a kind of a mystic. It it was a man, right? It was a man. A man. I'm going to try to find the video and then maybe we could like overlay it in Mm -hmm. here. But he he was saying that women's fluidity Mm -hmm. with their hormones is such a blessing and it's a blessing for men because men are supposed to be stable. That's why like their hormone cycle is so predictable and they don't have the swings that we do. They are supposed to be strong and sturdy and dependent. How do you become strong, sturdy, independent? You have to be tested. So as women, we exist to test that security of the man. Mm -hmm. So we're almost fortifying him and like helping him Garner and establish his strength. So we work together. Mm -hmm. It's in tandem. We're not at odds. We we complement each other. And I was like, whoa, I saw that at a show to my husband. And he was like, I'm going to think about it. (laughs) I'm going to think about
0: it. That's what I do. I'm like, I hear it and I'm like, let me, yes. Because I think that so often, and I'm guilty of it, viewing my own cycle that way, like, oh God, here we go again, you know, instead of understanding that this is magic. And if we, really embrace it and lean into who we are and accept instead of trying to be the other sex because we're jealous of their uh, strength and their just consistency, that is built into them. They can't help it. It is who they are. Their hormones have one cycle throughout their life, right? And then they have a 24-hour cycle, just like we all do. But theirs is just on repeat every every 24 hours. We have the same 24-hour cycle as they do, but then we also have a 28-day cycle. So it's like, And nothing in our world is built towards our 28-day cycle. So, I mean, and I think most people don't even understand it. They don't even comprehend that the first two weeks after your period ends, you're like social lubricant, basically. You are the star of every party. You're feeling great. It's good to go out with you because you attract everyone. Your energy is super high. That's because your body is trying to reproduce. It's welcoming everybody in. And then the next two weeks is really our hormones are pushing us to really figure out what is going on here and a lot of critical thinking. Our hormones have dropped. They're more actually like uh, similar to where men are and so they're critically thinking all the time and they don't get called a dick because of the way they behave, but we do mm-hmm. because we are so sweet and so nice. And then we start behaving like they do. And in business, I always was confused. I'm like, wait a minute, you're a dick like this all the time. Why do people get upset by me whenever I go into critical thinking? And it's because it's the difference, mm-hmm. right? It's people don't understand that this is normal. So we as women have been kind of pigeonholed, if you will, I feel like as crazy. Or, oh, God, there she goes again. You know, she's bipolar or bi-whatever. And it's like, no, you just have to understand women's cycles. And if you will understand, take the time as a woman or a man, you'll get so much more out of your relationships with them. Because it's like, I know in my cycle when I need to take on a new project. I know when I'm going to be able to hit that hardest. Then I know when I need to be more reserved and, you know, guard my time and my space and spend time really critically thinking. It's, I mean, it's what you make of it.
1: You know, it's interesting too. And this is another reason that I just love what you're doing is we went through this stage and it was kind of in the 90s and maybe like the early aughts where we pretended that our cycles didn't do anything because (laughs) we were trying to become men. So we're like, how dare you say I'm more emotional? How dare you say that I behave different? How like Because people would make the joke, you know, we can't have a woman president because if she's on her period, she's going to hit the the war button. Right. Which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like That's a ridiculous thing to say. However, we we kind of jumped to the complete opposite side and we were like, oh, it doesn't do anything. It's not this, real there's no real effect it just i just bleed and that's it there's no other no other consequences of that right and then that's not honest and then we became so disconnected with our body and our cycle our minds our hormones and then our health suffers for it you kind of need to know how your body works and we would always have these older women that would teach us about our bodies now it's you have a mom or an aunt or sometimes a babysitter that's like oh here's a pad here's a tampon here's a paper move on tamp uh template to figure out how to put it in that's it and then they put you on a birth control pill. I was on a birth control pill from, and I wasn't even having sex, Yeah, from 13 until my mid-20s, like maybe 24-ish. That's a freaking long time. Yeah. And half of the ones I was on got pulled because people were getting cancer. And I'm like, wait, I didn't even know that was a possibility or strokes. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, this – That's not conscious consent. Conscious consent is you give me the benefits, you give me the risks, and you give me an alternative.
0: And you don't make a 13-year-old pick it. Right. It's just like no. This will make your skin glow. Oh, I'm oh sure. My That's gosh. what they I swear to you, that is like a this will help you with your acne. It's like, no, you know what will help with their acne is balancing their hormones. Their hormones are changing. They need more support than they needed the first, you know, twelve or whatever years before they had their period. Now they need more support in different foods to support them turning into a woman and our lazy ass culture instead of understanding and embracing it and supporting. Like, here's a pill. What? <laughs> no, not here's a pill. And your skin is telling you something. If your skin's breaking out, it's telling you something. Mm-hmm. Stop and listen. Don't throw, th- throw the kid on whatever, because usually it's not the, that, that doesn't solve it, right? We're masking mm-hmm. and we're not embracing the magic of who we are as individuals. It's just easier to put somebody on a pill.
1: Right, and then we don't believe that food can do anything. And what's really interesting, so they have the Hippocratic Oath, right? So I'm going to mess up his name, but the guy that basically came up with the Hippocratic Oath, it was like Hippocrates right. or something. It was a, It's Draw a, Greek, a some Greek dude, right? Mm-hmm. So he comes up with the Hippocratic Oath, and it the part of his – his ideology was let thy food be thy medicine. So the dude that helped, you know, <laughs> pioneer medicine yeah. didn't discount the, like the magic and the healing of food and what we put into our body. And we see that, right? We see I mean, that. Is it
0: even magic? It's logical. It's like, <laughs> what do you think your body is recreating itself with? The nutrients you put inside of it. That's mm-hmm. the only thing it can use. Yeah. Just like any other animal. Well, not only are we not eating the healthy foods,
1: right? We're taking these medicines that we don't necessarily know what they're doing and then we're eating all of this processed junk and then we're wondering like why are my hormones going crazy why is my skin going crazy why do i feel like my brain is working against me right you get like all of this depression that can start coming in because you're not supposed to just be at one hormone level forever right i'm pretty like obviously do what you want with your medication i am not a doctor but i would say like look into birth control before you go on to it oh god yes
0: and look into i mean I took it like you. I was on birth control before I was married. So I think I started it at like 15 because I had horrible periods. And I'm like, oh, those horrible periods were telling me something that I was basically, from my point of view, malnourished. And I didn't understand it. And I was working myself too hard. And I was when I look back, I'm like, oh, I can see why my body was behaving that way. But no one took the time to really find out what I would just throw on birth control. She won't have nine day periods anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, I probably could have fixed that another way. Because now my periods are four days and it's just like, oh, yes. So really pay attention to any type of medicine you're taking. I really it takes a lot for me to think that any of them are worth anything Mm -hmm. because so often it's like, oh, just take this. And I'm like, did you look at the side effects of it? Mm -hmm. And you think that you have to be so in tune with your body to realize the side effects on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's but we have to. We're our own advocates. You know, and science is fun and science is cool and it's saved a lot of people and I'm grateful for it. But I think that you need to use it very sparingly, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Right. Like you only don't go straight for the sledgehammer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ever, ever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, let's not just start cutting body pieces out mm-hmm. because, I mean, you go to a surgeon. What? What's their job? They're surgeons. So something's wrong. Oh, well, let's just yank it out. And I'm like, let's not. <laughs> it's probably there for a reason. I mean, they were trying to take my uterus out and all of it at 29. Whoa. And I'm like, you know, I'm so thankful that Charles was there to put his foot down. He was just like, I'm not comfortable with you doing that. And some people would be like, how dare he, your body, your whatever. I, how grateful am I that he he was willing to, mm-hmm. at the risk of me being angry and telling him to mind his own business, say, I'm just not comfortable with you doing that. Thank God I had him. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yeah. I've had a similar situation. So I have family history of like different kinds of cancer like Mm -hmm. whether it's like uterine cervical etc and i was doing a checkup and my doctor was like we should do that this really invasive screening and you have to watch this 30 minute video and then we'll do the screening and we'll tell you your likelihood Mm -hmm. of getting cancer and at first i was like oh well that seems why not right like i'll I'll just go in the waiting room and I call my husband and he's like what are you doing and I was like oh he said to do this he's like get the fuck out of <laughs> the room right now what are you doing he's like you know how important mindset is and this sounds woo look at jo- Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and plenty of other people like whether or not we have like that gene turn on varies so much of our mental state our environment like you might have it but whether or not it is expressed is." totally different. So if you put yourself into the situation where you start telling yourself, I'm gonna get sick, I'm gonna get this, this is no. my story, like that's a dangerous and dicey game to play. Yeah.
0: You're, yeah. We are capable of creating our reality. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you want to create? And I mean, if you really think about cancer, you do understand what it is. It's just a mutation. Your body is reproducing a mutation over and over and over. So can we stop that? Can we take out the things that are creating that mutation i don't know some people you know? have done it i know some uh, people and have so totally it's done it and it's like you can say woo woo whatever but it's like you know what your body is going to do what you tell it to do
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean just look at the placebo effect right yeah. so that's uh d- again i've been reading a lot of joe Dispenza- Dispenza He's awesome. lately i yes. love him yes um because i have my own like thyroid stuff i'm trying to like heal right now without medication and yeah. he gives so many Examples like firsthand examples, actual studies. This one man had thought he had an incurable disease, and there was this new therapeutic experimental drug on the market that was supposed to be like a silver bullet. So he's Mm -hmm. like, "Sign me up!" So he is paying all this money; it's not covered by insurance. And the minute he gets injected, he's like, "I feel better." He came to life. The whatever the disease was, because I I don't know what it was. It might have been cancer. All of a sudden, they can't detect it anymore. Thriving. A few months later an article comes out saying that it was a sham. It's basically just like saline water and this company <laughs> got um like put out of business obviously for-, for ethical reasons. The moment that he realized that the medicine didn't work, it came it back. Came back and Shut he died. up.
0: No way. Yeah. And yeah? there's all
1: of these examples in Dispenza's books and they're true stories. So it's like, be very careful with how you use your mind and what you yeah. tell your mind and to what to you tell say, yourself
0: what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I met this girl a few weeks ago and her father had died when she was two from cancer. And she was like, oh, I'm sure I'll die from cancer, too. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, oh, don't say that. Don't mm-hmm. like and she's like, oh, I've been saying it forever. And I'm like, you're 16 saying it, like you've been telling your body for how many years this is how we're going to die yeah. so make sure that you produce that yeah and I'm just like it terrified I me and I'm like nobody has told her like my motherly instinct kicked in and I was just like I just want to tell her don't say that ever again <laughs> but it's like you can't tell somebody that so I just kind of like listened to her I tried to take the same approach I would with my kids and I listened to her and I was like oh you know how amazing you are right Mm-hmm. you create your reality mm-hmm. it's like i would hate for that to happen mm-hmm.
1: yeah we do that with yeah. ours too mine always goes i'm magic mama it's fine i'll heal and he's like and i'm more magic what did he do he had like um oh he had chapped lips this morning i was like let me put something on your lips he's like no 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 my body is magic and it'll oh. fix it i don't need it and i'm more magical than you so oh. that's why you need chapstick <laughs>
0: You're like, hey, if that makes you feel good, fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: like true. You're probably more tapped in than I am right now.
0: I mean, I think that what we fail to realize is our bodies are so magic you know, our hair will produce the right amount of oil. Our skin will produce the right amount of oil for us. But we overwash. We put all these chemicals on ourselves. We do all of these things. And then we're like, why doesn't it work? It doesn't work. And it's like, because you're messing with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, just a silly example. When I was a teenager, I thought I needed to wash my hair every day. It's disgusting if you don't do what, you know, don't wash your hair every day. And then my hair was oily as shit. And I'm like, (laughs) Do you understand the cycle you're creating? Mm -hmm. The more you wash it, the more it freaks out because it's dry, then it starts overproducing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I stopped washing my hair that much. And it was cool to see the cycle reverse. Then my hair started calming down. And like, obviously, I've loads of it. So it's like, it's so beautiful now. But that's because I learned to trust that my body knows what to do to maintain it, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of me listening to outside things and like oh my god you have to do this you have to put all this stuff on it it's like no you don't Mm -hmm. you don't we all get to make choices
1: how long did yeah. that take for it to recalibrate? Because I've told the same thing to my girlfriends. I'm like, mm-hmm. you need to stop washing because they'll yeah. complain. You need to stop washing your it's hair so every oily. day. oily. Yeah. yeah, because th- you wash it every day.
0: Right. Oh, like you're creating the problem. Your mm-hmm. body isn't doing it. Mm-hmm. You've kicked it into like high gear of I'm not going to be able to produce what it what it needs. And mm-hmm. so it goes into overdrive. And then every time you wash it, you're cueing it to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was like a month and a half, maybe two.
1: Oh, so that's a commitment. It's a commitment. And
0: you know what? I I just used, uh, while I was like processing through that, I used dry shampoo.
1: Oh, and it didn't make the problem worse? mm -mm.
0: I just would spray it on. But maybe it was because I was determined. So I just was like, and I did it slowly. It was like one day, you know, one day. Instead of washing it every day, I would wash it every other day. And then I would wash it every two days. And (laughs) now I wash my hair like once a week. And I work out. I'm like, it's not gross and it doesn't smell bad. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, my hair is so healthy. I get compliments on it all the time. I wish I could grow my... I'm like, well, if you treat it the way that it needs to be treated, mm-hmm. it responds. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's the answer to everything, but hey,
1: <laughs> yeah. it worked. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. the sledgehammer analogy, right? Just yeah. like try to like play with things and realize what you do and don't yeah. need. And
0: Well, and we're each different too. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're all different. But I think oftentimes... And we'll just keep going with this silly analogy is I have women will compliment me on my hair and then we'll get into it and I'll talk about what I did. And they're like, oh, well, but for me, it wouldn't work because my hair is so oily. And I'm like, you're not even willing to try. Because my hair was so oily, I'm Persian. Come on, Mm -hmm. we like sometimes before my period, my skin gets so oily. I'm like you could fry an egg on my forehead. (laughs) Like just sit outside and it's like it's so greasy, and it used to frustrate me. And now I'm appreciative. I'm like that's my skin doing what it needs to do, and I don't have to freak out about it and put you know drying chemicals on there. It's just part of my cycle. It's the same every month. And so I'm just appreciative. I'm like, you know what? That's going to prevent me from getting so many wrinkles. Mm -hmm. It's part of it. So appreciating, figuring out what our body's natural is and then being appreciative of the differences between each other and being open to listening. Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah. So with that experience with birth control and having a daughter, how do you plan to navigate that conversation with her in like a nuanced way.
0: Yeah, we've talked about it yeah. already. I mean, she's only twelve. Yeah. <laughs> so and she, one year
1: before I started. It, yeah, you
0: know? I know. So with her, that's not something that I I want to do. And I think that there's other ways to have safe sex without that. So that that will be my approach. Mm-hmm. Granted, I have you know my ex and his wife also involved, and so it's like there's more than just my input. But and in, and then of course m- the most important to me is her input. And uh, just being honest with her about the side effects that I suffered through because mm-hmm. of taking it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably how I'll approach it. I haven't had to yet. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious yeah. because um,
1: there's obvious consequences for people like that don't know safe sex and like how to navigate that because a lot of parents don't talk about it so yeah. if they make a mistake then obviously having a baby at a very young age Ugh. has a lot of consequences yeah Hard it's not to say like babies aren't beautiful i would have 10 if yeah. i could like yeah. love babies but i think that there's like a maturity level and an age that you need to be in order to make sure yeah. that you're the parent that you need to be we talked about this last yeah. night i'm like i could see the benefit of being a younger parent like having kids in my 20s my first i had at 30 but i would have been a terrible mom I was—I did not sort out my own shit. I had all of this, like, just baggage, just baggage from how I was parented, baggage f- just from life, and I i just was a very different person. Like, I look back and I'm like, sheesh, mm-hmm. you know, thank God I didn't have kids. But yeah, so I can see, like, I can see wanting to take the easy way out and be like, just like, swallow this pill, but there's, like, so many other ways to do it. So I used do you know the Mira app? Have you ever seen that? I haven't. It's mostly used for conce- like for trying to conceive, but mm-hmm. you can use it to like the reverse. Know, yeah, yeah, exactly where you are. And it's so fascinating, especially if you have irregular periods, like if you have endometriosis or PCOS, you can kind of see what your body is doing. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, not everyone's on a twenty-eight day cycle. Yeah. It just gives you so much more information. And I'm like, that is the ultimate agency over your body like being yeah. able to just like know where you're at and eventually you get fine-tuned into that yeah and i think that that's a beautiful thing because this is one of your viral videos but it's when you're on birth control like you can't detect the pheromones of another person yeah. and those pheromones are there for a reason they yeah. tell you like good match bad match yeah and you end up in terrible relationships one person duetted your video i saw it just yesterday and she's like i was on it and as soon as i got off i became a lesbian yeah <laughs> Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I realized I like women. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, people have had so many comments about that <laughs> and so much trash talking. And I'm like, do you realize the person that I was with was a doctor? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just check out his credentials, but it is true. It changes your hormones. And it's like, do people not understand that your hormones run your life? Mm-hmm. So take care of them, first of all. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be, you know, 100% you if your hormones aren't good. And so I I I mean, after I got off birth control, it shocked me. And that's why I started researching it, because I'm like, I am not even remotely attracted to my ex, like not even remotely. And the man that I married is so different. And I'm like, how does that happen? Like Mm -hmm. what creates that? Right. But I had been on birth control since I was, I think, 14 or 15. And I met my ex when I was 16. So it's like, oh, I didn't even have any business choosing somebody on birth control. It's like your body thinks you're pregnant mm-hmm. and argue that all you want. It's, there's so many documented things that you can research on it. Like you pick but a more feminine
1: like- man when you're on birth control yeah at yeah. least
0: for me that was the case and now i'm like oh my god yeah. there's
1: research behind
0: it like you can get offended nobody wants but to hear it there
1: you pick a more f- and if you look at my choices you pick a more feminine men. Yeah.
0: man yeah because your body thinks it's pregnant and it wants someone sweet like sweet and yeah. feminine because and that- you're looking yep. for your body unconsciously from your mind is looking for someone to soothe and support you through this time. Mm-hmm. But that's not usually what we need in a match. We need someone who can protect us, someone who is strong, someone who is in his masculine. For most women, these are generalities. Like we said, there are some women that are super in their masculine and their hu- their husband wants to be more in his feminine. And that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. So we're speaking in generalities.
1: Yeah. And you can also, you can also still like, protect yourself and be self-sufficient of and course. be independent. But allow space for someone to say, like, I've got your back. Yeah. Like, let, you know what I mean? Whatever you need, I've got your back. So, like, being able to fall into a loving embrace and not have to shoulder the weight of everything is up to me. It's my responsibility. No one is reliable. No one's going to show up when I need them. So, we often feel like we have to choose. Like, you have to choose to be like the surrendered woman Mm -hmm. and let the man protect you, or you have to be the man and find a man who's going to be okay with that. Like, you can be both. Like, you can still have like that, you know, warrior princess
0: within you, but like
1: allow space for a man to also be a man.
0: Yeah. I think that's harmonizing. Yeah. So you have to be cognizant of what energy you're emitting and can you harmonize between the two depending on who you're with and what you want out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate. Mm -hmm. It's like wow, can you can you do that? You can. And it's just it takes effort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have to understand what energy you're putting out there before you can harness it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just takes time but we're all capable of it
1: yeah and speaking about hormones and the importance of it i think for some reason that's that topic dominates the male space like hrt is very mm-hmm. popular within like the male communities and women don't realize like we have more testosterone than we actually have estrogen mm-hmm. but we're just kind of more ruled by estrogen which is why we talk about it but there are consequences of having low t in both men and women but mm-hmm. we don't even acknowledge it in women, let alone have a protocol for it. So is that anything that you've like looked into or dived into or dealt with personally?
0: Yeah. So in, God, was it two years, two or three years ago, I was dead. Like I literally felt like I was dying and I would have my period and then Normally after my period, I would feel great. It's like, oh, great. We're going the two two weeks of celebration time, happy time, whatever. But what started happening is I would have like one good day and then I would be in excruciating pain for three or four days after my period. And I was like, something's wrong. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Right. And so I had three MRIs. And all of the doctors told me nothing was wrong with me. One of the doctors had the balls to tell me I was aging. (laughs) That's what my problem was. And I was like, (laughs) whew. Like, that's what it is. It's me aging. and, And you think I have such low pain tolerance that I'm coming in for MRIs for aging? It's interesting, but okay. And I got so frustrated. None of them tested my blood. None of them tested to see what is really going on with this woman. I mean, You run multiple companies, 150 employees, but you're an idiot in here complaining about aging symptoms. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm in severe pain. And when a woman tells you they're in severe pain, usually it's severe. Because our pain threshold is so massive,
1: but that's not taken into consideration. I agree
0: with you. And so um, I ended up going to a doctor who was uh, very Eastern and Western, right? And he muscle tests. I don't know if you know what that is, mm-hmm. but he started muscle testing my body to see like where were the incongruencies and he found it right in my pelvis. And he was like, what is going on there? Do you have like, uh, do you have, you know how they have that birth control that you, I forget what, uh, Novarin or oh, yeah, Novarin, because I had used that previously, but, um, or an IUD. And I was like, no, but I had, um, now I forget the name of it. I had a type of birth control. They, they of course, yanked it from the market. I didn't know because it was made out of nickel and people were flipping out. You know, their bodies were flipping out from it. My ears bleed if I wear fake earrings in one day. And I'm like, oh, so these were inside of me 10 years. And that's what my body was freaking out on and causing the excruciating pain. No doctor, even with MRIs, found it. And it's like they had been recalled almost a decade before. So I had them put in what it was is like they put these things in your fallopian tubes and your fallopian tubes scarred around them so the egg can't come down. So you don't have to take hormones. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing the better thing Then come to. I'm highly allergic to nickel. No one told me nickel was in it. My doctor never even asked. And a year after I had them put in, they got recalled and it completely yanked off the market. Like full lawsuits, the whole nine yards. I just never heard about it. No one ever told me. My Mm -hmm. doctor didn't send me anything. I'm like, oh, this is what they get away with. We're like Frankenstein. I just tested out on me. So my testosterone was at an eight. He was like, do you feel dead? And I'm like, no shit. That's why I keep spending all this money. Yes, I feel like the living dead. And I know what my body should feel like. So he ended up finding a specialist that all he did was take those um, out of women. Literally, that's all he did. And he was like, I've never seen a woman be able to, her body be able to sustain them more than three years. But what it did was it, my body was on such like overdrive to try to fight it that all of my hormones were just so messed up. My thyroid was crazy. My testosterone was crazy. All of it. And it took, I mean, I felt so much better almost immediately. But then it took a good year or two for things to build back to healthy. But I knew, I was like, I know there's something wrong. I eat healthy. I work out. um, I have what should be the perfect body, right? It's like, I should be healthy, but this isn't right. So my thing whenever people have issues is like, trust your gut. If you're not, if you're feeling like there's something wrong, it probably is. Mm -hmm. And you have to be your own advocate
1: yeah get a blood like get a panel get blood work yeah because that will at least give you a baseline like something to look at and see
0: what's kind of out of whack and really i think we we should be doing that once or twice a year period absolutely because it's as we change we're all different and so my baseline isn't the same as your baseline Mm -hmm. and the sooner you have it you know the more you'll be able to tell if something's off Mm -hmm. so but no one tells you to do those things
1: yeah. it The medical establishment is the quickest way to get me riled up because <laughs> as someone who has like multiple autoimmune disorders and got like chronically sick at a very young age, like 19, I didn't have a support system at all. I moved away for university. I was breaking up with a boyfriend. Like I really had no tribe whatsoever. And then you're this young woman going in complaining about X, Y, and Z. And I literally had this doctor who she like was very, like very arrogant and was like, I graduated from chapel hill like that was supposed to mean something well she told me i was dehydrated she's like are you dehydrated i was like no i am hydrated it's not i'm not fucking dehydrated i go back in and like this went on for months i go back in and i'm like dropping weight dropping weight like Mm -hmm. can and i'm eating like a horse like Mm -hmm. i'm waking up to eat because i'm painfully hungry and she's like oh well maybe you're just stressed Maybe it's mono. I'm like mono. I'm like, what are you talking? Could you have a test like, for that? <laughs> what? what you, it's finals week. I go back in, and then she thinks I have an eating disorder because every time I go in, I'm skinnier weight. and mm-hmm. skinnier. And I'm like, I'm. If I told you what I ate in a day, you wouldn't believe me. Like I'm yeah. eating more than like my six foot two, two hundred pound boyfriend. Like I'm yeah. eat, like I, I am because I'm that hungry. Doesn't piece anything together. It got so bad, and I'm going to multiple doctors at this point. No one is diagnosing me. Everyone thinks I'm
0: neurotic. Isn't that funny how women get classified as, I mean, that's what they thought when I went to three different MRIs. She just wants
1: attention. (laughs) She's crazy. I would do it in a much more economical way. (laughs) That was what
0: I wanted. It's like, dude, I can sit home and throw a fit for this. Right. I'm not going to take my time
1: and my money and have to deal with insurance and all of this weight in waiting rooms at a gross hospital. And your attitude. Right. (laughs) Like, I would go about it a different way. And then I got to the point where I was 90 pounds and my resting heart rate, and this is going to sound fake, was over 200. shut up i would get to the point where um if i sat up i would pass out i couldn't (sighs) my muscles atrophied i couldn't walk anymore like i could walk straight lines couldn't do stairs at all anymore couldn't um i didn't have enough strength to push a gas pedal that's how weak my muscles were i go to a janky walk-in clinic here like looks like shit but i'm like i need some i need help somebody help help me before i die he sends me to the emergency room and he's like I think you have Graves' disease. I think no one caught it. It's just really intense. You need to go to the hospital right now. So he sends me to the hospital and they do like the radioactive treatment and they're like, yes, you have this. And like you need to get pumped with all these medications to tell your hormone to like stop because it's going crazy. How the fuck did no one catch it?
0: Dude, I'm If sorry. I
1: was a guy, like, and I hate saying this because I'm not the type of person that's like, men, women, we're like at war with each other, but they're- is enough data out there that women have this happen to them more often than men. And why is that? Like, why does no one take Mm -hmm. us seriously? So yes, to get to the point, I guess, of this very long story is like, be
0: your own advocate because no one else is going to do it. Yeah. And when you know that there's something, you just have to keep pushing. I'm yeah. sorry, but you do. Yeah. So just like you said, you almost died and that's what it took. Mm-hmm. But thank God that you were smart enough and trusted yourself that like I I have to keep pushing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting time that we live in mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to fight so hard to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that changes. Yeah, you too. And the only and way- the, the only way it changes is if we talk about it. Talk and it's about like, it. Not, we're not trying to hate on anyone that doesn't have to go through what we we went through, mm-hmm. but what we're trying to do is expose that it is this way. Like there are women that are suffering, and there these things are a big deal. It's not a little thing. Yeah you know mm-hmm.
1: and trusting your gut like we've become so disconnected with our intuition and that is a superpower of women and it, this this again is science you can look it up the cia even like t- uses this to their advantage like women are more tapped into it, it has to do with like our connection between like our corpus callosum, like that wiry thing that connects our hemispheres that's quicker for women mm. so we're able to kind of like look at things like with a spidey sense and just like know that no. we obviously your gut um has like the, a lot more serotonin and like neurochemicals than we thought before, so it's all connected. And like that's where your like gut, Shocking, right? Gut instinct comes from. <laughs> but you have it. Yeah. For some reason, like we have been kind of trained to t- tune that down. Like, not why do you think in. that is? Right. Like, believe what you're feeling, and like look into it. Like, don't just like let people tell you that you're crazy. If you feel something, like dig a little bit deeper.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think what people forget is. What's the easiest way to control? It's to make you stupid Mm. (laughs) and make you not trust yourself. Like, let's stop pretending that there isn't a control thing going on here. There always is and there always has been and there always will be in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's just like you need to understand that. And then you need to understand that it's your job to run your life, only yours. Mm -hmm. And you are your own advocate and you can create change. So if you are somewhere that you don't like right now, You're the only one that can take those steps to fixing that. And regardless of who did it wrong, this doctor, that doctor, push them to the side. I don't care. I don't care where they went to school. I don't care what their credentials are. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean anything to me. If you can't figure out what my thing is, then we're just not the right match. That's cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not discrediting you. I'm just saying bye (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I know me. Mm -hmm. I've lived with me. You have lived with you.
1: Right. And you're allowed to say no. I think you're allowed to fire doctors. People don't know that. You can fire a doctor. You know what doctors I've fired? So many. Yeah. It's great. You should again you try, try that. <laughs> try that. It's like, sorry, guys. Amazing.
0: Sometimes it's, I mean, in doctors, they're asked to do a lot. It's mm-hmm. all their job is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And so but there are ones that you can find that truly care. You're mm-hmm. not just a number. You know, that they're pushing through so they can make a claim on your insurance. Mm -hmm. There are ones that care. And when you find those, keep them.
1: Yes. So it's like,
0: oh, and whenever I find one, it makes me so happy. And I I always write a review so that other try to help other people find them, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are good ones out there. You just have to search. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to. I guess like transitioning into sovereignty and freedom and being unbridled, do you feel, because obviously you're an ambitious woman, right? Like you, you're not just like staying at home and there's nothing wrong with that, but like, you're not just staying at home and like being a housewife. Like you also have this amazing brand that you're building and you're an entrepreneur. Um, you're still obviously very soft and feminine at the same mm-hmm. time. So how do you balance out I guess that interdependence with the relationship instead of being codependent with the relationship. So, like, how do you not lose yourself in a romantic relationship with someone else? And then, how do you not also become so independent that there is not that overlap?
0: Yeah. I mean, girl, isn't that the question of the millennia? It's like, wow, I think it's much harder for relationships now than it ever has been before. And I think that that's something that you have to navigate with each person, right? And it's also, from my point of view, something that evolves and changes consistently. So if you're not willing to really take the time to look into your relationship and adjust for each other, it's not going to work. Don't get married. It's hard. It's <laughs> like, this is not an easy route. You're asking two people that are completely different, regardless of what you know your values are and all of that, genetically completely different to say, hey, we're going to make this work. And so to me, it's definitely been an evolution with Charles. And I mean, after 12 years, we've gone through a lot of evolving, I feel like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's probably the number one thing I think is being able to give grace to each other Mm -hmm. and remember that, like, I want this person to be happy. That's what I care most about, whether it's happy with me or not, right? If you truly love someone, then you can say that and i know i've had people be like oh you guys this or that and it's like i really don't care what you think <laughs> because i know that i truly love that man more than i mean i think that he showed me what true love was mm-hmm. and it's not controlling someone it's not having someone by your side it's that i love you so much that i'm going to support you in what makes you happy and joyful whether or not that works for me sometimes mm-hmm. right so it's willing to to put the other person's joy and happiness above yours momentarily and not lose the fact that you still have to prioritize yours. So I think that ebbs and flows at times, right? Because you're both giving and taking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I think it's just being okay with understanding that it's not always 50-50. Sometimes I give 80, sometimes he gives 20, sometimes he gives 99 and I'm only able to give one, right? Mm-hmm. And I we had a funny conversation the other day and I was just like, look. The PMS week, I cannot physically carry the emotional weight of our relationship. The other weeks of the month, I'm stellar at it because he has very low EQ, very high IQ, and I have very high EQ. So it's easy for me usually to balance and manage that. But I have learned over time that that week I'm tired, right? Mm -hmm. I need all of my energy to be focused on Alicia. So if our relationship needs support, I'm gonna need you to do it then. <laughs> and he was like, "Wow, you've never said it that way before, but I get it." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, just take the communication." Mm-hmm.
1: That's kind of like the answer to everything when it comes yeah. to relationship is communication. Yeah, and that I think the part that a lot of people miss out, including myself, is the act of listening and not just like i know exactly what i'm going to say to prove my point but the act of listening and then offering a safe space for them to be honest and vulnerable and then problem solve it's like what is the goal of this conversation is it to end up together and to fix and heal what's you know what needs mending or is it to prove a point and say that i was right or to make you feel like shit or point out your flaws or your mistakes so you kind of have to navigate
0: it through that perspective that lens of we're a team
1: Right. Like for real, we're
0: a team. Mm-hmm. So it's not about what's right or wrong. It's about what gets the team to the end goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that's a hard one, or at least it was for me to really believe that we were a team. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are we really? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and so really truly accepting that and then being willing to say, you know what, I'm going to trust that we are because that's the commitment we made to each other until you show me something different. Mm-hmm. So that's still leaving the space for you to let them prove what team means to them too, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not saying just be abused. (laughs) It's like, no, be cognizant of everything that's going on, but be a team player.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of... What well, a piece of advice I got that I always try to remember and not always, like I'm obviously not perfect, is to always assume the best out of your partner. Yeah. So when something happens that ticks you off, that you're like, okay, well, if I'm assuming the best out of him right now, like what is the reason that this thing happened? And then it can easily get you in a place where you can calm down. And mm-hmm. it's you. in my case, it's usually right. So my husband has pretty bad ADD and he does a lot to mitigate it. Like he does a ton of meditating and introspective work and very rarely does he take it and any medication for it so he's like trying to you know kind of contain it himself and there are times where he is a lot more present than others and then mm-hmm. there then are times where he is not and one of my biggest pet peeves is like repeating myself or feeling like I'm not heard yeah and I'll say something and if, if I'm in a good place I can like breathe and pause and I'm like he'll come back in like 10 seconds and I'll be like oh where were you babe You know, like, what what were you thinking about? Like, what were you dreaming about? And then you like playful and it's fine. And there's other times where I am, you know, have a short fuse and I'm not having a good day and I'm not like to the standard standard that I want to be at. and I'm like, what the? You yep. didn't hear me. How dare you never listen to me. You know, the Gottman's test and it has predictability <laughs> for relationships is being acknowledged. Yeah. Just acknowledge me yeah. and all these things. And he's just like, oh my gosh, you saw, that? he's like, did you not see that I just came in or I was like sending, finishing a text or yeah. an email? Like there's maybe something I didn't notice that was a signal to like pause and wait for him to be in a, p- a position to be receptive to my question. Yeah. Not all about me. Like I'm yeah. not on my phone so you need to be paying attention to me right now. Isn't
0: it funny how that's how we are? It's mm-hmm. like, I'm talking. So the world stops. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I got burned alive for this one. But something that works for Charles and I is when I want to speak to him, I just ask, hey, babe, is now a convenient time? I probably need two or three minutes from you for this topic. And you're like, oh, my God, that's so businessy. And I'm like, oh, my God, we don't fight that way. And he listens. Mm. So whatever works for you, because for men, it's about convenience. For women, it's about comfortability. So when he comes to ask me for something, he asks if it's a comfortable time. And I'm just like, I think it's so sweet. And it's just like, hey, dude, we all have so many things going on in our heads. Like, I might look like I'm doing nothing, but I'm thinking a million things. So if you want to connect, prioritize that by asking, mm-hmm. is now a good time? Mm-hmm. It's common courtesy. <laughs> like, I think we forget it because it's it's so common to be together right so we forget that this is another person we're not connected (laughs) you know and so common courtesy still applies we
1: don't give that to our partners no we sometimes and i say we i should speak for myself Uh, i'll agree with you because
0: me too i know i'm guilty
1: (laughs) i don't i do not offer that to eric a lot like there are times where i'm way more demanding and way more cold or abrasive than i would be with an- almost anyone else because you, you get feel so safe. comfortable yeah so i guess yeah like <laughs> at least i feel safe but he doesn't deserve that so it's also being like how would i treat anyone else in this position like don't let yourself get too comfortable to where you're not treating your partner how they deserve to be treated
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's uh they say that kids do this too right mm-hmm. so they save their worst behavior for their parent they do yeah they do, they that's, do. <laughs> that's so it's like it's a huge compliment because it means they feel safe with you with everyone else they okay. bottle right okay so that i have to be on my best behavior or my teacher will be upset with me my or my friends won't like me or this or that and so the way that children do it is that all of that saves up all day and then when they see mommy it's like Ah. like throw up the feelings on you because they know you love them and so it's like hey, we we as adults still sometimes
1: behave that way i've had so many moms ask me that question so (laughs) i'm gonna have to share that clip with them that's
0: not my knowledge that somebody some psychologist told me this
1: Oh, that's I'm here's how mine, I'm I just feel sharing. with information. Like, there's a difference between like bootlegging someone else's ideas and then also just like being a person that has acquired information Info. from mm-hmm. so many places and then if you want to get really spiritual with it it's like well, whose information is that I really agree with you it's like, like it's all it's a, com- it's a download yeah. right yeah. like all yeah. information ev- that ever was is or going to be is present sure. right yeah. and you're tapping into it and again if you want to go on in a rabbit hole if you look at really massive inventions throughout history they've been invented like the same day in different continents when before we had phones or ways of communicating Isn't it crazy? So it's like, well, why is you know why is that happening it's because there are these downloads and it's like yeah. if you intentionally open to receiving right be open to receiving but like an exercise would be like try to consciously think of something right now like okay well why why did you pick car why did mm-hmm. you pick a color why did like where did that come from mm-hmm. sit with that mm-hmm. you don't you are not going to come up with an answer yeah and if you are please tell me i'm yeah. curious yeah so yeah don't don't discount your own credit yeah. that you've accumulated <laughs> oh, through your you. life and yeah i think yeah. you know give props where they belong but yeah. also Take
0: your own credit, girl. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I just remember hearing it. And when I heard it, I think my children were young and I was like, oh, that makes sense. And the only reason it's important for moms to know is because then when they're acting like little shits, you can be like, that's because he loves me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, okay, (laughs) you feel comfortable. And then, of course, you have to teach them like, hey, I understand you need to unload your feelings. Something I love and I learned it from one of my girlfriends. It's called holding the trash can. So basically, you have all of these feelings that build up during the day or build up over days, however you know long it's been. But it's like sometimes you just have to let them out. And when you let them out, they lose this power. When, they're, when you keep them inside, it's like they build on each other and they multiply. And it's so horrible. And it's like, oh, if you just let it out, all of it kind of just dissipates. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just call it holding the trash can. So mm-hmm. put your trash in there. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And even your kids can do that with you mom, I just need you. They don't need a solution. They just need to get it out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I understand that feeling.
1: Yeah, there's a couple exercises that I do if I'm having a really bad parenting day, like where I just feel very overwhelmed. So one of them I think it's this Marcus Aurelius exercise, and I discovered it when my first son was only a few months old. Thank God, because I still do it every single night. Like, there's not been a night that I haven't done this mental exercise. Excited, Um, even when I'm in a good place. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just something that kind of guides me in like my principles of how I want to mother. It's every single night when you lay your child to bed, and however that is, like, obviously you're not going to do bedtime every single night, but like, however, like that last touch point is with you, you behave in a way that they will not survive the night and I can't like I say that even now and I get emotional because like I feel that and like I understand like the vulnerability of life and not being able to predict when something might happen right like you hear horrible stories you know so it's no matter how bad your day is like make sure that when you have that last touch point that it is where you want it to be and your best is going to be different every single day like sometimes it's going to be rushed and it's like I love you but like I need my to go take a minute right it's like I don't it's not you don't deserve for that version of me to show up right now because I don't have the patience so like it's going to be quick and then there's other times where you have like an hour bedtime and you're just both just like loving into it so that's one of the pieces and then the other one is if you're having a hard day is to pretend that for the day your 80 year old self your 90 year old self got the privilege to time travel back to this moment only once Mm -hmm. only for this 24 hours and it's like okay if you think about it that way my kid could be writing all over the wall and throwing the food on the floor and it could be like just a day of chaos and how fucking beautiful is that what a gift because at that point you know my kid's gonna be in his 60s or 70s and he's i'm probably longing for that squishy toddler um so
0: just like the power of reframing things perspective yeah it's like oh Yeah, I mean, because I'm listening to your stories about your kids and I'm like, "Mm, I remember, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. sweet and it goes by so quick. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, Mm -hmm. but it will be gone before you know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those
1: different stages of motherhood and the way that I describe it, obviously, I'm very I'm in the beginning stages of it. But already I feel like it's this balance between being so excited to welcome the new child that you're getting. And then also this deep mourning for this kid that you didn't get to say goodbye to. So I didn't get to say goodbye to the newborn version of either of my kids. Like all of a sudden I blink and like, whoa, they're a baby. And then I didn't get to say goodbye to the baby of my oldest. Like, whoa, he's a toddler. And right now I'm like just trying to be hyper aware. I'm like, we are on the cusp of toddler and little kid and I don't know what day it is but I'm gonna wake up and he's gonna be a little kid
0: yeah you know what I mean
1: Mm. and there's never that day where you realize oh, this is the last day that he's going to be a toddler. This is the last bubble bath I'm going to draw. This is the last time that I'm going to scoop him up into my arms because it happens. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you... Don't worry,
0: there's never a last time that you're going to scoop him up in your arms. I still do it to my son. (laughs) And he's like, mom, and he'll like (laughs) scoop me up. And I'm like, I don't care. I have to try. (laughs) He's bigger than I am. And it's just like, I don't care. You're still my son. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah,
1: like navigate, like just navigating that and yeah. then not falling into the trap of like, are you familiar with Carl Jung's devouring mother archetype? Mm-hmm. So um, there's this little short, it's by uh, Disney. It's called Bow, and it's only like six minutes long. I highly recommend, especially mom's. Watch this It's a really good visualization of that archetype, so it's this mom that, through good intention, right through pure love and the need to protect and like that um, biological urge to protect and like uh, shield and consume, ends up overprotecting the child okay so quite literally, like the mom in the movie like eats the baby oh okay. and it's so important, especially for moms of boys, to be able to let them step into their manhood Mm -hmm. right there's I'm in controversial authors Robert Bly and he wrote Iron John which was sensational back in like I think the 60s or 70s and the feminists hate it my husband's reading it now and loves it and I've Mm -hmm. like seen like little paragraphs here and there that he's sharing with me and there's this adage in the book that the the secret to a man's manhood and masculinity lies in the key that's under the mother's pillow so it's you have to give your son that key to Mm -hmm. unlock the wild man or the inner like beast and then he has to learn to tame it right that's his responsibility to get control of that but if you never let him out of that cage to experience it then you're robbing him of
0: something very vital Yeah. yeah yeah oh that's beautiful and then in the same regard i think that for men it's offering the safe space for their daughters to be vulnerable and to learn that it's okay, like the their, their potential spouse or, you know, all of that, that men can be trusted to protect you. Men can be there to be that stable for you. Uh, but all of that comes from, you know, their first male relationship, just like with the boys, it's their mom. So mm-hmm. we have these opportunities to really give these gifts to our children, but you have to be cognizant.
1: That modeling is huge. Yeah. Uh, they say that a dad, and it's probably the same for both, but that a dad is the first representation of unconditional love to the daughter. Yeah. So then she kind of knows what to go look for in a partner moving forward. Like, what does safety, security, like, like that safe harbor look like? What should I go and try and find? And so many women are robbed of that relationship, so then they are left wandering and then end up picking mates that are probably not the best ones for them.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh! I had something that I wanted to go. Oh, so speaking about like that kind of relationship between like mothers and sons and fathers and daughters, and like just like that polarity between like the masculine and feminine, obviously we have both, and like mm-hmm. which one steers you is so independent to who you are as an individual. But when it comes to creating like a safe space for women to feel safe, there's this exercise that's kind of going around at certain retreats right now, certain workshops, it's getting really sensationalized on social media. And I'm, I'm sure I'm, we'd be shocked if you haven't, haven't seen it. So essentially and I haven't done one. So like full disclosure, like maybe there's a ton of context that I don't have and mm-hmm. maybe that would change my mind. And I'm always open to that. So like, if you have it, please let me know. Like, I won't be offended. I just want to learn. But from what I've seen is there is this circle that's created of women and around them are the men. And then the men end up bowing to the women
0: oh i've heard about those. have you have you yeah. seen it no i just heard about sh- it
1: yeah so i will put add a little clip, aubrey marcus
0: did he do did he feel like he posted something about so he, this we, my, we were at that retreat oh. i left
1: early my husband was there and he okay. has his own perspective so i guess if he ever wants to share it he can mm-hmm. the short is like he didn't agree with it and he and he and he experienced it so like i know there's context that i don't have um and again open to hearing it but my husband who did participate open he is the most open minded person you will ever meet so he went into it like i want to learn and observe what's going on here about yeah so i want to experience it before i have an opinion so he did Mm -hmm. it i told him i didn't want him to do i found out the exercise was happening i'm like i will never tell you what to do like you are your own person i would like you to not do this exercise and i gave him my reasoning. And then he still did it. And he still did it. And you were okay. And I'm okay. It wasn't a fight. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a fight at all. I was just like expressing like my, my honesty, like my perspective. And
0: can um, you share that? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and, and he was like, well, I just don't know. Like again, again, so open-minded that he went in with zero judgment where I obviously I have my judgment. Or your intuition. Or my intuition. Right. Yeah. doesn't have to be judgment. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that Mm. reframe. Beautiful. Um, my perspective, or my intuition, or judgment around this situation, and this is coming from someone who didn't have that safe harbor. My dad left at a very young age. I never talked to him again. I felt like, why am I not lovable? There was abuse. Like I pretty much had one of the worst relationships you could have with like that man that's supposed to provide you an example of unconditional love or safety, right? Like quite literally, the man that brought me into the world was physically abusive so what does that tell me about my my safety going out into the world and I've done my own work with that and I feel very safe around men now and I have for a long time so even if I could go back to my more wounded self my younger self I have that perspective and then I have the healed version now that is also the mother of two boys so I have that perspective so I like kind of both parallel like both opposing parallels here Mm -hmm. I think for me what makes me feel safe is a man who is fully embracing his masculine, who doesn't feel that he needs to make himself smaller for me to make myself feel safe. Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to compromise his self in order to provide room for me Mm -hmm. what makes me feel safe is like a warm embrace Mm -hmm. or someone who's just standing there fucking sturdy as a rock like i always think of my husband like he is on like he is unwavering Mm -hmm. you can throw anything at him and he will show up for you like that man is just dedicated and that's what makes me feel safe what doesn't make me feel safe is like a man who's tiptoeing and retroactively apologizing for like the harm that maybe the masculine has done or the quote patriarchy has done that doesn't make me feel safe that mm-hmm. makes me feel like if i can make you bend bend the knee then what else is going to, like, what's going to happen when something real comes and rocks you? Like, yeah. I, I can't have confidence that you're going to show up. And then also, that's taking the work off of me. It's my job to make myself feel safe. Mm-hmm. No one else can do that, right? Like, there's obviously situational stuff, like dark alleys, et cetera, yeah, Right, right. But like, that core feeling, like, that neutral of safe, like, is my body constantly contracting? Like, this is something that I've had to work with. Like, I'm constantly in a Kegel. My root chakra is, like, always telling me, you are not safe. So- There's still work to be done, but like again, like that's an internal thing. That has nothing to do. We're podcasting, and I'm like kegling right now. Why? Why? Why do I feel like I need to be contracted? And like you know, there's obviously years of experience that tells my body this is the way that you behave. But no man bending at my feet right now is going to make me relax. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I want a man to again like unlock that that
0: wild man
1: and that beast and tame it. That Mm -hmm. makes me feel safe. Yeah.
0: What's your I, opinion? Oh, I love that. I forget what kicked that off for you. Like what basically was the... the
1: the idea of um, of men. We didn't finish
0: the story. Oh, I'm like, wait, no, no, no. Oh, I need to hear so... the story. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'll talk. But oh, first but, I yeah. want the story. So that's okay. my
1: opinion of the exercise. Based but I do the, the exercise. So like the women it... will stand there. And um, what are they doing? Um, Receiving.
0: Gratitude. I feel like that's what I heard on the clip.
1: It could be. Gra- I, and again, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. My interpretation was that. There were a series of questions, okay, and it was almost like like however way you had been wronged in the past by the masculine or meant to feel unsafe by the masculine, it was these men stepping in to oh. be there to help you feel healed and safe and seen, mm. and by like surrendering to the divine feminine, being able to embrace like Gaia and that energy, but that seems like a very powerful potent tool and not everyone is probably at the place to receive that the way that it's meant to be have you ever recommended a book to someone that they weren't ready for it and then they took it and you're like did we just read two different books because that's not that's not what it meant and it actually makes the problem worse yeah i feel like that's the same with whether it's a psychedelic or whether it's like some really spiritual tool like this i think in the right container with the right and very specific vetting and pairing like are you doing Mm -hmm. that with husbands and wives? vetting and
0: pairing I think you You can't just like randomly
1: pair people because what if what if you had a man that had a very feminist mom growing up who kind of always blamed the man the masculine uh, men have it easier you're the reason that I don't have the rights that I do like women have it so much harder like you know just the blaming like the sex Mm -hmm. blaming Mm mm-hmm So he's not allowed to step into his masculinity. He goes to one of these retreats to try to find it. And now you have him bending, like bending the knee like you're now he's going to
0: hate women. What was your husband's response to it? So he he did it. First of all, can I ask, why didn't you want him to do it? What was your intuition kicking in and telling you? And then what was his understanding of it after?
1: So my reason that I didn't want him to do it was I pictured two boys there, like my sons. Mm and. I don't think that unless they had done something wrong to this woman that they're trying to heal, unless that relationship is already there, that retroactively or apologizing or trying to heal something that you didn't partake in, I don't think that sounds sends a good message. It's almost like it kind of perpetuates like a lot of this woke stuff that he seemingly is supposed to be against right which is like collective guilt collective apologies retroactive apologies i wasn't there my boys didn't do anything like they haven't been misogynist or like they're not part of the patriarchy like all of these things that we're trying to say are making women feel unsafe so i just don't understand the apology aspect for it and again i don't I don't get a man. I think when you a man gets on a knee, like when does that happen in our culture? It's to propose. It's yeah. It's to propose love to somebody. I think that that is like a pretty big signal. And to just kind of throw that out loosey-goosey doesn't make sense to me either. And it's is that person that you're bending to in a place to receive it in the healthiest way? Mm-hmm. Or are you exacerbating the problem of women that are in their masculine that don't know it and you're perpetuating that cycle like she just dominated a man i'm literally domineering over you in this position right Mm -hmm. i don't need that that makes me feel like i have to be the protector that no one's going to show up i need someone to let me feel vulnerable and small and there's this there's this thing that one of my um like spiritual teachers told me the other day and it it just resonates with me specifically because that was me. I was always like defending myself and I Mm -hmm. had to be the masculine and like, I've got this. I will domineer Mm -hmm. is you are so protected, especially as a woman in your vulnerability. Think about a newborn baby. They're protected in their vulnerability. Everyone knows like how delicate they are. So we just show up for them. Yeah. We show up for them because we, they, we know that that's where they're at and what they need. And like, I, Like, it gives me a purpose, like duty responsibility like love it gets me excited to be able to like be the caregiver and like so many men are like that too they want to show up for us so if you allow yourself to be in that vulnerable position then you're now allowing someone to take care of you and now he lights up because he's yeah. like i get to take care and of that's you. hard it, yes. it can be hard
0: to do that yeah
1: so yeah. i was like it's it goes against everything that i believe i feel like we have so many women that need like need and want to be vulnerable they just yeah. don't know how yeah and we have so many men that want to step into masculinity and they don't know how and when you have this exercise that's quite literally almost exacerbating that problem like i don't understand so that was my reason and like i was just like i just and you don't... explained that to your husband yeah, yeah yeah and
0: then he was like i'm still gonna do it and he's
1: like i understand
0: thank you for opinion. sharing
1: yeah he's like he did yeah and he's like but um i'm gonna make a decision when the, the time w- when comes it, yeah when the time comes and i'll make whatever decision i feel is right and I'll let you know. Yeah. So he goes to do the exercise. What a exercise. beautiful relationship. An <laughs> exercise
0: right there. I'm just like, and that is the way it's done, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Right. Because I'm not his mom. Exactly. I will mm-hmm. never tell him what to do. Yeah. I don't want to be his mom. That's the yeah. quickest way to dry up that relationship. Yeah. He will never want to take Literally me to bed. Literally dry up. <laughs> I don't want to take him to bed. Like, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. Anyone listening. But yeah, so he does the exercise. I guess he got paired with an older woman who he just was, She. he said she was very sweet. And- He's like, I, what he saw in the moment was an older version of me and like one of our boys or, you know, like that kind of dynamic and like that happening. And I don't know why I like still haven't really talked at depth with him about the exercise, but I let him talk and I was like, okay, well, like that's your perspective. And, you know, at the end of it, he disagreed. He's like, it just, I saw certain people taking it in maybe not the best way, like how they processed it. Mm But yeah, I was like, I wouldn't, I don't want my boys to ever bow down to me. Yeah. No.
0: That's no. interesting. The clip that I saw, I feel like, if I remember correctly, portrayed it as a group of women, mm-hmm. not a one-on-one. To me, that almost makes it even, I'm like, whoa, that's, if they were spouses, He, my spouse might be able to heal a wound that my father created. Mm-hmm. Because totally. he is in, I have, a. you don't allow your father into that space with you you are born into that. Your father has that right as your father to be in that vulnerable space with you. And some fathers, unfortunately, knowingly or unknowingly abuse that, right? And I I want to believe that most of them, it's unconscious, right? don't Consciously want to hurt you. But he's your father is given that right at your birth. And then your husband is given that right as a chosen. So I could see that your husband might be able to heal, you know, something for you. But I don't think I would feel comfortable with another man in that exercise anyway. So very intriguing. Yeah. Because the way that I viewed it, I saw it as a group exercise is what I
1: thought. There is a group of people, but you are paired with one. one person.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Also, just totally like out there, but energetically, what are we doing here? Like, what are the energetics behind that exercise? Uh, The ongoing effects of it too. Right. It's like this, just like you said, that is a very...
1: How's that integrating? Do yeah. you have follow-ups yeah. to help people process that?
0: Not just that. It's like between these two people that I've never met, we're creating a pretty big representation. So there's energy behind everything. What was that energetic there? I'm really curious. I'm like, yeah. oh, man.
1: Yeah, I'll have to ask. Because yeah, again, like I didn't get to experience it yeah. firsthand. I just got the snapshot of what he shared so far. But
0: And because your husband is so like interested in these things, I would be very curious if he is felt any lasting impact himself because it was supposed to be for the woman right but the man gave there was a huge give there yeah so then what what has come of that i'm very curious
1: i think to touch on like the that healing aspect between like the two divine energies it's for the healing, like my healing, my father wounds. Cause like, and they're still there. Like if I talk about it at depth, like I'll probably still cry. And then that says that there's a wound mm-hmm. that's still being touched. And I'd be lying if I said, if that's ever going to go away. I mean, I have two beautiful children and it's like, I have this, like the original man in my life that wants nothing to do with anyone. And that's heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like that's really heartbreaking. And I spent so much of my life, Finding men that were either like like him that were, you know, kind of abusive in one way or another or the exact opposite and like very soft and feminine and like that's not what I'm attracted to, but they can never hurt me. Mm. What healed it for me isn't my husband ever going groveling at my feet because he's not that kind of man. He would <laughs> never do like he would never do that. But it's like him just showing up him being that rock, being that masculine and over over and and over over again,
0: again. stability,
1: how he parents, how vulnerable he is not by making himself small, by like setting healthy boundaries, by sharing how he feels, by tapping into like his heart center, like by protecting me in whatever way, like whether it's like um, just even my energy, you know, Mm -hmm. like protecting that, but like showing up, like being that pillar, being strong, seen and like, big yeah so it's kind of the opposite and then for him he's going through a lot of healing mother wounds and healing kind of like that feminist kind of like masculine domineering archetype for him and i think that for him and i can't i can't speak for him this is just like my perspective of obviously everything but the more that i lean into my feminine and softness and surrender like, that's being healed. Him seeing me mother versus how he
0: was mothered that's is exactly healing. what I was thinking. Yeah. And like- for you, some of the healing for your father might come from your sons.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't think of that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I know that in my journey with my kids, I feel like they have been the greatest teachers. And I think that's why I I parent them the way that I do. Because I'm like, ah, the amount of blessings that you guys have given me is they don't even have to understand it. And and I think that if we're open to that, like, they're here to teach us. So we much. so frequently get it wrong. It's like, oh, I'm going to teach. Oh, please. <laughs> your job is to protect them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the real gift is what they bring and teach you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I feel like with each one, they've cracked me open a little bit more. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I'm just so much more gushy. And, yeah. like, I feel Wait more. Wait till they're teenagers.
0: <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my God. And even you getting to watch your husband uh, love them mm-hmm. I think that that too that's is massively be, yeah. healing yeah mm. it's, I'm
1: like this is a dad this yeah. is a man beautiful right like that can exist and if I was in this place of blame which we're still in like this war of the sexes I wouldn't see that and I probably mm. wouldn't have him so it's like what are you really gaining from blaming the Nothing. opposite sex or partaking in this this or that or we're at odds with each other instead of seeing what a beautiful compliment we're supposed to be
0: yeah mm. also I think remembering that uh and you this saying is forgiving but the hand that gives isn't always the same hand that you receive from this also goes for wounds mm-hmm. so the hand that gave you the wound might not be the one to give you the healing mm-hmm. so just remembering and being open to that i think is really important that you know it's a lot of times we're like you hurt me so you fix it and it's like that's not how it works you hurt me and i learned thank you for that experience and someone else is being brought into your life to help you heal Mm-hmm. Right, the right person, the right child, the right friend, the right husband, the right—the universe is bringing it to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you've been pretty open about your mission, which is like connection and enlightenment. Unless that's changed, because mm-hmm. obviously things change. Um, they do, but I think it's like a—that's be- a beautiful mission. I don't Thank think you can do much better than those two mm-hmm. things on your path to enlightenment. I think with a lot of that content, we talk a lot about healing and like trauma and things like that. Two things that I'd love your perspective on are how do you get into a place where you are open to healing, like you're able to heal and forgive and like really embody that? And then how do you avoid the trap of perpetually needing healing?
0: Mm, That's interesting. I, I love that. So being willing to forgive, I think for me, it hit me that I'm hurting myself by not forgiving. I'm not hurting the other person. The hand that dealt that pain, me hating and unforgiving, they're not receiving that. (laughs) So it's like, what are you doing? You're just hurting yourself more by being unwilling to forgive that. And just because you forgive something doesn't make what happened okay. You're not justifying or allowing that to happen again. I forgave and now I have learned and I have different boundaries. Not for that person. I have a different boundary for myself because I can't control that person. They might do the same thing again. But they won't get the same response from me because I've learned. And so in order to really, I think, learn that lesson, you have to be willing to forgive first. Because if you're still in hatred and blame and victim mentality, you can't grow. Mm-hmm. So it's like first I have to allow that to process. So giving yourself the space to process that and, and really let it go. Um, and being willing to do it multiple times. Some hurts take a lot of forgiveness over and over. You're like, haven't I already done this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe you have, but now obviously you need to do it again. Just like you said, if I really talk about this topic, I'm gonna cry. And there have been many things in my life where I felt like that. And thankfully now, I sometimes I like to check in with those things. Like, okay, how do I feel about that now? Mm-hmm. Like, can I talk about it now? And so I think it's an important part. And honestly, as I progressed down that path of forgiveness, what I really came to, and this is going to sound so woo-woo, but, and I don't even know if it's right. It just works for me. Well, we've got crystals and baby like, Buddhas. So you <laughs> rub them all. Like, woo. I'm like, <laughs> I really don't feel like I have to forgive others anymore. Mm. Who am I to forgive you? Come on, man. It, we're all on a journey. That doesn't mean that I just don't think it's really necessary. I used to. I used to feel like until that person apologizes, I can't forgive them because I, they need to learn their lesson. And I would be letting them, you know, overstep boundaries. And, da, da, da. and now I'm like, that has nothing to do with anything. They are being who they are. And they're in that part of their journey. And all I can do is accept them for who they are and create new boundaries.
1: So it sounds like you've even almost like, Transcended the idea of forgiveness. Not like, I not like, like I don't need to forgive. I'm going to hold on to a grudge. Like it's there is necessary. no forgiveness because there is no wrong. No like, wrong. I haven't been wronged. Yeah, you haven't wow. wronged me,
0: and I know that sounds so crazy, but I'm just like I don't need to forgive anymore. It used wow. to be such a big thing. Like you have to acknowledge that you have wronged mm. me, <laughs> and now I'm just like I don't care. Mm. I don't care because now I look at your behavior and I'm like, do I want to continue with this? Do I want to still be here with you as you behave this way? Or am I going to create a new boundary for me? And me creating that new boundary does not mean I have to tell you I've created it. You're not allowed to treat me this way. I need an apology. No, no, no. I just observe you. I see how your actions make me feel. Mm. If I think there needs to be clarification because this isn't the way you normally behave, then I will do that. Or if you've shown me over and over that this is how you're going to behave and not change, then I have to set up a boundary for myself that when this, then that. It's very simple. And therefore, I don't have to forgive you. If you're still abusing that, then I need to look at myself because yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I'm allowing this. It's not you. It's me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't think about forgiving our dog every time they bark, even though we don't like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, OK, well, I'm either going to accept that that's who you are. I'm going to put a shock collar on you. or I'm going to, you know, there's only so many different things you can do. And mm-hmm. then you can decide you don't want to have a dog. Right. Yeah. So I know Sometimes it sounds... Sometimes that's where I'm
1: at. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we all hit that at different different things in our lives. Yeah. But yeah, I don't feel like it's necessary anymore. Mm. And now all the gurus, go ahead. God knows what kind of post you'll get on this one. But that's how I feel. I'm no, like, that's I really...
1: I haven't heard anyone think that because I do... think a lot of people get caught in the trap of thinking that they need the direct apology from whoever was like the perpetrator no you do not you can do these exercises by yourself
0: and you know it's um, not about them no stop giving them the power the only power they had was to do the action don't give them any power on your healing journey Mm -hmm. no
1: (laughs) no that's up to you and i think relinquishing a lot of that energy i mean they've done studies that if you're holding on to like whether it's like anger or jealousy or whatever kind of grudge, it actually can manifest as weight, like actual physical weight
0: on feels you. feels that way. We right? all have so experienced that. we like feel that. the
1: weight, but we also yeah. can gain the weight. So Oh, there oh is,
0: interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you'll
0: eat. You'll to compensate.
1: Eat or your body will start storing it, right? Like mm-hmm. the body keeps the score. We process it in different ways. So some people that could be like belly fat or whatever. You're like,
0: yeah, you know, your butt
1: starts getting bigger. And if you start doing- I just need to
0: figure out who's fucked <laughs> with me to make my butt bigger. I'm like, this is your fault. No, i just kidding. I knew it was something. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> not, not what I was eating.
1: <laughs> some kind of energy is back there. <laughs> it's
0: that big ass energy. <laughs> Seriously. Sorry, I thing. just totally derailed. That's the squirrel in me. I'm like, that's- Okay. But
1: did someone say butt? Did someone no. say a
0: big butt? But
1: when you start doing this healing, you'll actually you could actually start seeing you lose physical weight and yeah. then you'll start feeling better. So yeah. if you can get to the point where you don't even need to do those exercises because you're like there was no wrongdoing and I'm not holding that, then yeah. that's amazing. But definitely like the worst thing you could do is nothing. Like the worst yeah. thing is if you have the feelings, right? It's like harbor it and say, yeah. This is my righteous anger and I'm entitled to it. But on the flip side, So getting into those people that are perpetually healing, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is almost a culture Mm -hmm. of
0: I'm I'm broken.
1: I'm so broken in my traumas. (sighs) And this is my 17th (sighs) ayahuasca journey in two days. And God told me through a direct download, like all of like, it's everywhere. And it's not to say that this doesn't happen with some people, yeah. but there are people that are abusing it or that are identifying with this uh, perpetuated victim mentality. Yeah.
0: Unconsciously, so, I right. assume most of hopefully. it. Right? Yeah, hopefully yeah. it's
1: not conscious. But how do you start to wake up or how, are there any traps to avoid and constantly being stuck in healing culture?
0: That is a really good one. I remember I had a coach one time tell me, You don't need to read any more books, Alicia. (laughs) And I was like, What do you mean I don't need to read any more books? She's like, No, you need to look inside of you. The wisdom's already there. And we kind of hit on that earlier. The wisdom isn't owned by anyone. It's there if you want to access it. And so will we all always be on a journey of growth? Yes. Am I always on a journey of healing? No. And I think that I'm on even less journeys of healing as I've accepted that there's nothing to forgive. These are all growing experiences. That's it. That's all it is. It's just a game. It's like, oh, okay, this happened. And now I get to grow and I can set a new boundary for myself. I'm creating my reality. We all are. And so even especially with close relationships, when I feel hurt, that's a cue to me of like, okay, I feel hurt. What am I going to do about this? Am I going to talk with them about it? Am I going to set a new boundary for myself? Am I going to? And the most beautiful thing is when you can feel that and then you can wish the person the best. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? I hope that all of your heart's desires come true. I hope that all of the love, joy and happiness that you're looking for, you find. And in that, so will I. Mm -hmm. So it's I don't have anything to back that up. It's just my own journey of what I've experienced. And I'm not saying that's always easy. but. I do think that when you associate healing to it, you're also accepting some victim, mm-hmm. and it's like, yes, we've all been we've all been victims at times. Mm-hmm. You can't help that, mm-hmm. but you can choose how you respond to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
1: yeah, and then I guess just for me, my perspective would be asking. Are you staying somewhere really long because of the sense of community that you're getting there that you're not getting elsewhere? Like Mm. if you heal, then maybe you're not allowed in that club anymore or maybe Mm. you're not going to have those same like that same tribe. And then what does that look like? How do I go back into the big world by myself? And Mm. I think that that can be overwhelming. But I think a really good calibrator is just like looking who you surround yourself with most of the Mm -hmm. time is everyone else also healing broken trying to you know like never arriving right and yeah. like maybe that's not the right way to put it because i think like if i say arriving then that means you're done like i don't yeah. mean that by any stretch but just a place where you are content yeah we're not blaming we're not trying to mend you're just being able to like just look just be you
0: yeah oh and like, be so oh, happy yeah. with it yeah mm-hmm. accepting where you are and where others are on in their journey mm-hmm. it's like they're It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And it's like, we can create this journey to be as painful as we desire or as beautiful. So it's where do you want to put your focus? You know, are you looking for the bliss and the magic? Because whenever I focus on that, so much more of it happens. And I'm just like, oh my God. I kind of was telling you a story the other, the other or last night, the other day. Like I've been here for weeks. Um, th- you can never trust me when I'm like, oh, the other day. That could be like <laughs> two, two hours days ago. ago, two hours <laughs> ago, or two years ago. It's like who knows. Um, my time is a uh,
1: construct.
0: Yeah, it's not real. <laughs> um, except for when you have an appointment with me. I'm really good. Like, please be on time. Um, no, but that being said, I think it's it's interesting how you choose to look at facts creates your reality. So our assistants had a mess up on like what days I was supposed to be here when flights were. And, I chuckled with myself because five years ago I would have been so annoyed. I probably, I think you, you or your assistant sent my assistant, like, hey, if we need to reschedule, it's totally fine. And I was just like, oh no, you don't need to reschedule, just fix it. <laughs> like it's gonna fall, it's gonna fall into place, right? And that's when I chuckled because I was like, five years ago, I would have been so uptight about it. And I'm like, oh no, no, magic is happening. And I saw the magic, and because of this mess up, I got to meet the muse that. That I've had for 20 years and I'm like what a huge blessing because I was willing to go with the flow instead mm-hmm. of micromanage and control everything and the peace that came with that whereas five years ago I would have been so twisted like well figure it out let's figure this and did it and I was like it's all gonna fall into place <laughs> mm-hmm. it just is and I trust that God or the universe knows more than I do so and that it's all working out for my good.
1: Mm-hmm. Divine intervention.
0: Yeah, or divine creation. I'm like, yeah. I was the only one. We were the ones that were in the black. Like, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We were in the dark. Yeah. We didn't know, but the universe did. Mm-hmm. The universe knew where everything was happening. So it's like, we're along for this beautiful ride. I'm not saying we don't have decision and input. But our decision and input, I think, is more so how we decide to respond and receive than create and demand, if mm-hmm. you will. Like, so much more fun that way.
1: So when it comes to receiving, do you have practices, like any meditations that you get into a place? Like if we talked about Dispensa a little bit mm-hmm. earlier and he has this analogy where your mind is kind of like the antenna and your heart is the receiver. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of like cast out what you want, like whether it's a job, a lover, a place that you want to move to. Mm-hmm. But unless you get to a place where you are feeling gratitude, embodying bliss and um. Being in that moment, like going into the quantum field, and like being in that place, that you're actually not going to be in a place to receive. And again, to we're we're getting in the woo. We've got the crystals. I love the woo. Um, women are just like we're more able to receive. Like we're able to like create. We're built for it. Right. We're (laughs) like built for it. But I think a lot of us, because of where we're like living in this, um, domineering energy, we're blocking it unknowingly. So how do you get into a place where you can like tap into the receiving energy and like that bliss and gratitude yeah
0: Uh, so for me and I think you hit the nail on the head whenever I am in my masculine in that like slay it and crush it Uh, which I, I try to avoid it now I'm like I was so in that for so long that for me my goal is like I don't need any help being in my masculine at all. I can close my eyes and be there instantaneously. For me, it's my feminine. And so the way that I know that I'm in receiving mode is do I feel blissful and happy and joyful and like a little kid? And the cue that I got was when I talked to my really good girlfriends who are also magical. I'm al- I always chuckle because I'm like, I sound like I'm 11. I'm like, hey, girl, guess what? I And like we just back and forth. And I'm like, that's pure joy. There's no ulterior motives. There's no controlling. There's just enjoyment of what I have received, right? And so I try to remind myself of that feeling and get back to that. And we kind of hit on that yesterday. It's about feelings mm-hmm. more so than I want this car. I want this house. I want, I want the feeling. What is the feeling that I think that I'm going to have by having that thing? And then what I'm looking for and placing out into the universe is that feeling. How the universe brings me that feeling, that I am open to. Mm -hmm. Some people might not be, I have to have this specific car, but I think that creates resistance and resistance doesn't create anything good. So I'm like, no, I'm open to, I want, if I want that car that I think I want, really what I'm wanting is the freedom and the feeling that I think I will get driving that car Mm -hmm. going 120 miles an hour or the wind in my hair, the top down. That's what I'm really looking for. And so that's what I concentrate on when I'm meditating is the feelings. Mm Yeah. I don't know if that's right or not. But all of this woo woo stuff—it's like who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Let's Try just it see. Out. Are Try you happy? You know? Are you joyful? Mm-hmm. Are you able to be you? Then I think that's that tells whether it's working or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I can't believe it, but we've been here for over two hours. Get out. <laughs> Last night, dude. We ended like at 10, ten o'clock. <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh, we had a three-hour dinner.
0: Sorry, um, guys.
1: <laughs> we seriously should have made this three-part series. No, you can. So I mean,
0: it's yours. Do what you want with yeah. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, you were so lovely. Oh, I could do this you. for another two hours. I very easily. Before we leave, do you want to tell the listeners where they can follow you, how they can support you, and maybe any projects that you're working on?
0: Oh, sure. So just uh, Alicia Covey on Instagram or TikTok, whatever is easier for you. Also YouTube. So pretty much anywhere. It's just Alicia Covey. And uh, new things that I'm working on. Hopefully this year I'll have a cookbook out from my bakeries, which was my first entrepreneurial venture. So be looking out for that one, Couture Cupcakes. Uh, this year. And um, a few more surprises, but we'll just let those kind of come out as they do. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. If you have a minute, please leave a five star review that helps with the algorithm. Hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Yay. Bye, Yay. <laughs>